You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors regarding Star Wars Episode Nine, the standalone films, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? What's up, Kyle? Good to be back. I know it's been a little bit since our last episode, but... Glad we could all join up together again to talk more Star Wars. So looking forward to another fun episode. Yes, and considering we don't ever play Battlefront 2 anymore, this is a good time <laughs> to hang out and talk. So I'm very excited about this, Kyle. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, we've we, for the record, we've been busy lately. I've been busy lately, especially. Um, so, yeah, we haven't played any Battlefront in a while, but I plan to fix that very soon. Um, there's a new Good. Starfighter mode and all that that we need to get to, but we'll we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode, talking about um, some, some updates with Battlefront and stuff. Um, but let's go ahead and jump right into the news here, guys. Um, I know it's been a while since we've recorded, so we're going back a little bit here. Um, but this was interesting because on our last episode, we were kind of speculating about what the fallout was going to be from uh solo a star wars story and the fact that you know it didn't quite live up to everybody's expectations at the box office and all that sort of stuff and we were just kind of giving our own conjecture on it um and then shortly after we put that episode out all these you know sort of official reports started coming out that were really kind of spelling like doom and gloom for lucasfilm and saying that they were kind of panicking and that the you know that solo bombed and that they were uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do now and that uh, all the future spinoff films were indefinitely being put on hold. Because um, also, I don't remember how much we talked about this on our last episode, but there was, um, you know, the recent rumor going around that James Mangold was going to be doing a uh, Boba Fett film. Um, and then, of course, there's the constant rumors about Ewan McGregor coming back to play Obi-Wan in an Obi-Wan spinoff film. Um, and so I think those are kind of the two big ones that everybody's looking at to be like the next ones on the slate. Um, and so the reports were that those were being put on hold as well as, you know, anything else that they were working on and that they were just wanting to focus all their efforts on uh, episode nine and making sure they really stuck the landing at the end of this new trilogy and then developing uh, the stuff going forward with um, Ryan Johnson's trilogy and the stuff from uh, the game of Thrones creators. Um, and that the, 
the the rest of the you know Star Wars story films were going to be kind of uh, put on the back burner and kind of retooled until they could figure out like what went wrong with Solo and um, you know just kind of uh, take it back to the drawing board and and kind of figure out the best way forward from there. Um, and then there was an update on that, but let's let's kind of talk about this. I mean, what was kind of you guys' reaction to this? Just hearing you know all this news as it was coming out and uh, seeing people um, you know kind of freaking out about this. Yeah, I was definitely, you know, disappointed to see this report come out. And I don't know if you remember, uh, Paul, because you and me are always on pretty much Twitter on a daily basis. How, yep. Like a few days before, there was a buzz going on around Star Wars Twitter people about, you know, there's some news down the pipeline that's going to be coming. There's been rumblings, but it's like it's going to be bad news. There's something big happening, but it's not good. And we're all like, man, what can this be? Like, what's going to drop? And then... Like a day or two after we got that report from Collider, they're the ones who broke saying that, you know, all the future standalone films have been put on hold. It's like, oh, that's it. <laughs> Those are the whispers of what we've been hearing about on Star Wars Twitter. And I was yeah, really disappointed to hear it at first, you know, got me thinking where, OK, take a step back for us. You know, this is just a report from, you know, not an official like site like StarWars.com, obviously, or even some of the trades like Hollywood Reporter, Variety or Deadline, you know, so. Um, but at the same time, too, I'm not going to totally dismiss it as saying, oh, well, I'll just breeze it off and go, ah, I'm not believing this. It's not true because it was a possibility that could have happened after, you know, what the box office failure of Solo. And this was one of the things we were worried about. And it was just really bummed to hear this at first if it wasn't up being true, because I really felt that this is what Lucasfilm has like the route they decided to go with. It was I really didn't think it was the right one where, you know, they're really going to let just one movie out of you know the four out of three really big successful ones and then there's one that wasn't really successful they're going to just let one of those kind of hinder their other standalone films going forward and just put it put the brakes on it because solo as we talked about on the last episode it was you know a very you know like the, the word you use i forget exactly what you said paul but it was like the perfect storm of problems <laughs> like that, oh, yeah. that perfect storm. that happened with that and so you can't expect that to happen again with your other films. It was like you just kind of kind of let Solo go as a yeah, I was disappointed with his box office numbers and all the production problems that happened with it. You just got to learn from it and not make sure that doesn't happen again with future films. But don't just put all of them on hold and stop and you know say that we're not going to get the Boba Fett film or the Obi-Wan film. We're not going to we're going to put a stop to that or we're going to put on an indefinite hold. That just to me wasn't the right way to go about it. And I really didn't understand the phrasing about how they're just going to focus pretty much all their attention for episode nine and to make sure, you know, that gets done right. But at the same time, I just thought, you know, that's what they've done for all the movies, really. I mean, I'm sure Kathleen Kennedy has to have, you know, her like her hands in multiple projects at, at multiple times. But there's always one that's mainly in production where the main focus is at. So even if, you know, they decided to go like the report says, focus mainly on episode nine and nothing else. I really don't think that was, would have been an issue as far as any other standalone films, because episode nine would get the attention it needs and has to get in order to be successful. I would have no doubt of that. If there were no standalone films or multiple standalone films, I would know that episode nine is getting the attention that it needs to get. So I never really understood that reasoning. If that was a part of the reporting that was accurate. So it was just, when I first heard it, big disappointment and thinking, oh, man, this is the way they go. I'm going to be really bummed because 
part of these standalone movies is what made me so excited about this new era of Star Wars. The, the saga films we're getting, but we're getting other movies with characters that, I mean, this years ago, we would never dream of getting their own movies like Obi-Wan yeah. and Boba Fett. And that excited me so much when we got those announcements that we were standalone films were coming. And the fact that they dropped it just after two of them, one very successful, one not successful to me, which is very disappointing. So initially, just based off that first report that came out, I was really bummed because there is, like I said, it wasn't from an official source, but at the same time, there was a lot of whispers and rumblings going on before that even came out from, you know, reputable Star Wars uh, sites and people in the know. So it kind of led me more to the belief that that was a more likely possibility. So it was disappointing at first, definitely, to get that at the first time. It was extremely disappointing, Tim. And I remember texting you just being very, very, ups- like, I don't want to say upset because there's things in life you get upset about. Movie, drama, you know, Hollywood movie drama, maybe not necessarily, but I was definitely irritated and really dis- more disappointed than upset. That's probably a better way to put it. I was very disappointed in the fact that that's what is being reported by a pretty reputable site. But I think what the, the silver lining for all of this is, is what re- the reports we got later from ABC News um, and we, what was the other one? Hollywood Reporter. They basically said the same thing that, no, that's not exactly what's happened. Basically, that nothing's on, that nothing's on hold. They're just looking at, they're retooling things and looking at things a little bit differently, like with marketing and things like that. Because remember, people, they haven't announced any of these films yet. The only yeah. film they've announced right now, only films they have announced right now are Episode Nine, the Ryan Johnson trilogy, and the Double D's, uh, Game of Thrones uh, showrunners, their series of films or whatever the heck they're doing. So they haven't announced any solo, or, excuse me, standalone films besides that. And the fact that everyone's kind of freaking out about all this because all the rumors that are kind of going out and whatnot, I don't, I don't think that Collider is, is making, I don't think they're making things up just to, you know, get hits. I think someone actually told them that. And maybe that was that person's interpretation that has some inside information. But to be honest, from what we've got from the Hollywood Reporter, which to be honest, I take them, I'll take them over Collider any day of the week. And the fact that the ABC guy who was from Colorado, a ABC News correspondent, he had some, he's kind of a big Star Wars fan and he got, and, and kind of basically, a quote unquote from Lucasfilm saying, Hey, like, uh, and I, I don't even think he, it was even Lucasfilm. He, he said like his sources or something like that. It was like a very weird kind of thing. But regardless, both the Hollywood, Hollywood reporter, I can't talk tonight. The Hollywood reporter and the ABC, ABC correspondent both said the same things that they're not being discontinued or on hold. They're just being relooked at and they're trying to figure out a way to market them and different things like that. They're just kind of going about it a different way, perhaps, after Solo. And I don't see the problem in that. And I think that, you know, we've got the rumored Obi-Wan film that hopefully hopefully will be made sometime. And that's what's probably being retooled in the Boba Fett film. And these are all things that, like, they these are well-known characters. And they, and they got, you know, if Han Solo had a rough time at the box office... It's going to be hard to sell in their, you know, in, in the bigwigs' minds, bigwigs' minds, excuse me, uh, to sell a movie like Boba Fett and Obi Wan to an extent. Now, 
I, I, like I said, I think they are smart enough to realize the solo backlash or the solo performance has nothing to do on the movie itself, in my opinion. I think the movie is great. I think the movie's gotten great uh, reviews or pretty solid reviews for the most part. I think most people who even just didn't care for it wouldn't say it's terrible. It just mm-hmm. wasn't like this, you know, huge bombastic event. And they've got to figure out a better a better way to market it. And I think it was a perfect storm, like I've said before, and Tim's kind of agreed with me, that you have to look at it a different way and you have to market it a lot better. I think that was one of the biggest flaws of this movie is they didn't know how to market it. And, you know, it also got to realize, too, is how much money, money did they sink into this movie that was reshoots and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. So... I just think that there's they're going about it a different way, but I still go back to what I've said before in other podcasts, and I think even on this show and on Twitter, the Obi Wan film is by far the most slam dunk. It's more, it's going to be more of a buzzworthy movie than Han Solo. Know why? Because the fans have been wanting it. Not mm-hmm. every fan, every fan doesn't want it, sure. But if you took a poll, I would say seventy percent, seventy five percent maybe a little bit less 60 to 70 want this movie. And that's a lot. And I've, and I've been saying on this, you know, I've been hitting this, this, um, this thing hard, uh, the saying hard a little bit is that you've got to create the buzz within the community. Now, I'm not sure how, how strong that is and how that means anything. And, in, in, in reality, I mean, maybe it has no effect, but I'd like to think that if you can create a buzz with your hardcore base, that just spreads out. And, you know, where you have all these hardcore Star Wars fans talking about an Obi-Wan film, that's going to get people buzzing. Like, oh, man, everyone, all these Star Wars fans are talking about the Obi-Wan film. Like, they're really excited about it. And, oh, I saw a trailer for it and blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of – got to create a buzz within your own, like, fans. And I think that's kind of – I don't want to say fan service, but that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it, it's fan service. Yeah, well, oh, there's, there's a built-in yeah. audience for it. And I would completely agree with you. I mean, it seems like that is the one that you're going to have to do the least amount of work to sell to Star Wars fans. Because that seems like something that people already really want. Um, first of all, I've started following all these like Star Wars meme pages on Instagram and stuff lately, which is <laughs> a, a daily dose of entertainment that I yes. am just loving. But they're, they <laughs> make so too, many the they they make so many memes about like wa- you know wanting an Obi Wan film and and stuff like that. And I mean, again, that's a you know kind of a small little niche market of like you know fans who make internet memes, but. I mean, the the desire for it is palpable. Um, and also even, you know, when I've done uh, the, the Star Wars discussion panels at Phoenix Comic Con that I do every year with, uh, you know, my friends Jason Hunt and Joey Letson, um, we've done things where, you know, we'll talk about the upcoming spinoff films and just kind of out of curiosity, we'll pull the audience and be like, you know, who's more excited about, uh, you know, a Han Solo film or a Boba Fett film or an Obi-Wan film or who wants, you know, an Old Republic movie or whatever. And Obi-Wan is always the one that people want the most. Um, and so, I mean, again, that that's kind of a small sample size of people who are already fans. But, I mean, like you said, there was... There were definitely a lot of uh, established uh, Star Wars fans who weren't that excited about a Han Solo movie. Um, and I think you have a lot more people that are, like, a lot more built-in excitement for Obi-Wan. First of all, because you can get Ewan McGregor back and there's not going to be um, all this 
kind of skepticism about oh they got this new guy to play obi-wan and i don't know if he can live up to it or not like if you do an obi-wan movie set in between episodes three and four you already have your obi-wan and it's one of the few things you know about the prequels that like is not a controversial decision like i think star wars fans would pretty much unanimously agree that ewan mcgregor is one of if not the best parts and performances of the prequel films um and i would say of all the films kyle i think his performance is one of the best in all star wars and you know what i don't disagree with you um but i'm saying even you know with the prequels specifically i mean there's so much sort of controversy and stuff that people love and stuff that people hate but i don't think anybody will argue with you that ewan mcgregor is a great obi-wan and so to have him obviously still around and having said in interviews that he would be willing to come back and do it um it's like that well, would create the buzz right there you were talking about exactly fans. Mm. yeah immediately I mean, yeah so i think that is i mean i i agree with you paul that's that's their slam dunk option right there um no of course you have to create a good story around it um and actually do it well like it's it's not going to get much traction at the box office if everybody goes to see it the first week and they're like well you and mcgregor came back and said some obi-wan things and uh, <laughs> nothing else much happened um but you know, really fast kyle i here and, and this is for both of you a question to both of you if what's this let's assume that and this is gonna be hard to explain for for the what i'm trying to do here but bear with me if we can if i could tell you that the Obi-Wan film will be on the level of Solo. Like, it's not like groundbreaking, more of a character piece like Solo is, right? But on that level, would mm. you take that? Do you think that would make, a, would that be a slam dunk with 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 the, again, not exactly how Solo is pace-wise, but as tone is like, not nothing like that's like gonna, you know, mind blow people, but it's gonna be solid. I would say Solo is a solid movie. Um, would you take that? And would you, or not take that, but would you think that that would be enough to be a big hit with Star Wars fans. I would right now I would say so because I think going into an Obi-Wan movie set between episodes 3 and 4 most people would, you know, they'd be expecting that set on Tatooine, Obi-Wan being, you know, living his life there. That's something you would kind of expect and I would hopefully <laughs> for most fans not to think he's going to go off on some crazy adventure visiting other planets cuz to sort of a narrative standpoint that to me just can't happen <laughs> when Obi was in that period of his life. Mm -hmm. So I would think so. And just knowing that going into it, I think would it would keep their expectations in check as far as what this movie can be. I think that's kind of the mindset going in to an Obi-Wan movie set between episodes three and four. And even from, you know, the filmmaking aspect of it, I mean, that could be the success they're looking for, for these, you know, smaller type Star Wars films that, Solo could have been, but because of all the reshoots and the production problems, I'd increase its budget so much. If they can, you know, avoid that with Obi Wan, it could be the perfect Star Wars film to do that. To where I think you get most fans buying into it because of the concept, and you can keep the budget down for it. It would be that type of Star Wars movie that, unfortunately, Solo could have been, uh, but wasn't because of its budget increase. It could be the best of both worlds, I think, with Obi Wan because of, like we said, with fans knowing what to expect, and then. The type of movie being that first Star Wars movie is that would be on the smaller scale, but at the same time, if it doesn't have you know like the 200 million opening weekend, even if it does like a little over 100 million, it'd be more than enough and considered a success. So I think yeah. definitely, but the concept of Obi Wan just being on Tatooine, it could be a win win on both cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and I would agree with Tim, like, and what you were saying about you know, would it 
be would we be okay with it being kind of more you know smaller scale not like a, a huge groundbreaking thing i mean that's kind of more what i'm expecting from it personally um and i feel like i mean i'm definitely excited for it but i feel like i'm not as excited just about the idea of it as everybody else is because again i'm kind of thinking like okay cool i would love to see obi-wan again but yeah like he's gonna be you know, just chilling in the desert waiting for Luke to grow up. Like, what exactly are they going to make a story about? And I'm sure they can come up with something interesting, but I do think it would it would kind of have to be a more low-key, um, you know, character-driven drama. And, of course, because it's Star Wars, they're going to have to find some way to get some action and excitement into it. But, um, you know, this is now an aging Jedi Master who's kind of past his prime and trying to keep a low profile, so it's not going to be about... Uh, you know, him trying to take on the Empire and defeat Darth Vader and, you know, doing any, like, Jedi heroic stuff. Um, so I really have no idea what that story is going to actually look like, but I'm definitely not expecting some big epic adventure. Um, you know, I, I hope they can find some way to make it really interesting um, and to, like I said, keep that that excitement and, uh, you know, some of that kind of Star Wars adventure element to it. But I am looking forward to seeing... Um, kind of maybe just some more character development for Obi-Wan, maybe some more, uh, you know, mysteries of the Force type stuff that he's learning from Qui-Gon and Yoda um, in his solitude. And so I think that could be something really cool to see. Um, but yeah, I think, I think even if it is kind of the same as the Han Solo movie, like you were talking about, just with Obi-Wan instead of Han, I do think it would still do better than Solo did because of... Um, the built-in audience demand for it and the fact that Ewan McGregor is already established as Obi-Wan and so you're not going to have the skeptics going like, eh, yeah, I don't know about this new kid. Like, he's not Harrison Ford. Yeah, I think that's a big factor into it as well. I mean, as much as we all love Alden's performance as Han Solo, a lot of people immediately wrote him off and we know about the people who didn't even bother to see Solo <laughs> just based off the box office numbers and, you know, I'm sure that could have been part of the reason but with yeah, like we said with Ewan McGregor, that everyone loves Ewan as Obi Wan, as he said. Yeah. It's just going to create that buzz to make people excited to see him as Obi Wan again. And I think that's such a huge factor in, you know, to Obi Wan's success when you're going to compare it to Solo as far as these standalone films. And that's, you know, kind of I was talking about earlier why that initial report from Collider, I was just thinking how it's such a wrong move for Lucasfilm to go that route if that was accurate. But kind of what you're talking about, The Hollywood Reporter saying how, you know, it's not quite accurate. They're just reassessing things here. That's the more likely scenario that, you know, I would expect them to take. Of course, you got to reassess things when a movie like Solo does not live up to expectations box office wise. Of course, you're going to look at ways to do things differently and whatnot, not just immediately put a stop to it. So, yeah, and then I just think the Obi-Wan film would be the perfect, you know, restart, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better words, to the standalone films if they are going to take a break. Or whatnot, or maybe not, because recently we've been hearing like stuff about I don't know how accurate they are, but like we're still hearing rumors about Obi Wan going into production sometime next year. So the stuff's still out there. So I'm really curious to see, you know, if it, it is indeed going to happen. I do think Obi Wan will be the first standalone film that we're going to get. It's just a matter of if it's going to be sooner rather than later. So it's going to be interesting to see just if we're going to have to wait or if not at all. So, but at the same time, I do think. The, there's like a middle ground here with these reports that were coming out about someone saying like, not to worry then the Collider report but what the Hollywood reporter is saying about how they're reassessing things and taking a step back 
I think that's the more likely scenario. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I believe him to be the most accurate at this point. Yeah, and, and I what, think that would make a whole lot more sense because if anything, like if anything needs to be changed sort of in the, the wake of Solo and that, you know, sort of perceived financial failure, if you will. Um, yeah, I, I don't think putting the standalone films on hold is the right move, but I definitely think they should, you know, sort of reassess some things. Go back to just releasing the movies in December because obviously that's working for you. Yeah. Um and even, like, I don't know if they maybe need to slow down a bit. Like, I love that we're getting a Star Wars movie every year, but, you know, if they need to really make sure they find the right person who's going to be able to see this thing all the way through rather than, uh, you know, just picking somebody and hitting the ground running and then ending up firing directors and having to do reshoots mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Because, I mean, that happened on Rogue One also, Um it was, you know, a little bit later in the game. They didn't have to, uh, you know, they didn't switch directors midway through production. It was like the main production was done. And then, of course, there was, I mean, we talked about all this way back when, the whole, uh, you know, the big reshoot deal and everything. Um, but, you know, it, it would be nice to have one of these films for once that doesn't have any production problems and that, you know, they uh, they pick the right person from the get-go that's able to just kind of see it through. Um, well, The Last Jedi was that movie, and it's the most divisive. <laughs> well, that is very true. I mean, and The Force Awakens kind of had that, too. But, I mean, with yeah. that movie, they fired the writer, like, not long before it started and, and all that kind of thing. So, um, but, I mean, I Can think I... specifically with Solo, because they did all that on the fly. I mean, first of all, like you said, the, they might end up losing money on that movie just because the budget probably went over what their initial budget was because they had to put so much into the reshoots. Um But also, I mean, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I still like that movie a lot, but I feel like it could have been... I feel like it could have been better if Ron Howard had taken the reins from the get-go and had more time in pre-production to really make it something special. Because, I mean, just for me personally, it feels like a very... I don't want to say generic movie but i mean it feels like it kind of played it safe and not in the way that the force awakens was like oh let's lean heavily on nostalgia and like not take a lot of risks but i mean to me i can kind of tell that ron howard came in was in a time crunch was having to kind of pick up the pieces of this thing that had kind of gone off the rails and be like okay let's just make a a pretty good star wars movie as quickly and efficiently as possible um and i think again not that that's a bad thing necessarily because I still think it's a good movie and I think he did a great job. But I think, yeah. you know, given more time and if they had just gone with him from the get go or, you know, another director who they would have been happy with and, you know, who would have been able to stick around the entire time, I think they could have had more time to, uh, you know, just put that extra something in there that would have made it kind of elevated it to being just a good movie to something really special that maybe would have connected with audiences better. What I don't understand is they're talking about holding holding on all these movies, but the Ryan Johnson trilogy is kind of weird because that's you know with so much backlash that Ryan Johnson's gotten over the last over the, you know basically over half a year now, and it's let's be real, it's and, I, and again I don't hate Ryan Johnson at all, so I want I want to preface by saying that first, but let's be honest here. Like he hasn't exactly won over Star Wars audience as mm-hmm. a whole. It's yeah. he's only split it down the middle, and they're still focusing on this trilogy of his. What I don't understand is why don't they switch it to 
we're giving him a film and we'll, we'll kind of see what happens from there. Because what if it performs like Solo? Are they going to make the other two films? No. So why are they you know, promoting it as Ryan Johnson trilogy? It really should be Ryan Johnson standalone film too because if it doesn't perform well, it's not getting a sequel. Like any Star Wars film. I mean, you could make a... Let's say you made a sequel. Let's, let's say for whatever reason... Martin Scorsese makes a movie about Broom Boy, and it turns into like, and it's supposed to be a standalone film, and it ends up being like the most popular Star Wars film since A New Hope, and everyone loves it. We're getting the Broom Boy trilogy, yeah. You'll get a Broom Boy trilogy. So, but if it is, if you know, some average Joe uh, producer or writer or director comes in, makes Broom Boy a standalone film, and it sucks. And you know he had a he had a trilogy he he pitched to the Lucasfilm. They're not going to make that. No, your movie sucked. No, it didn't do anything. So the same thing happens with Ryan Johnson. It's interesting that they gave him a trilogy without seeing what it's going to perform like first. It's almost like they feel that it's going to be such a hit. Like oh, we don't have to worry about that. But you can't think of it like that either mm-hmm. at this point. Now. Well, so, I think they also kind of got blindsided a little bit because it seemed like everybody involved in making the last Jedi save for like Mark Hamill legitimately believed that this was something really great that he had come up with. Um, I mean, everybody at Lucasfilm and Disney was singing his praises. All the critics loved it. And so I was shocked the first time I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score and saw that it had like a 48% audience rating or something like that. Um, and, you know, I, I was just surprised, like, how, how divisive it was. And obviously that's all well documented now. But, I mean, I can kind of see how, like, if everybody at Lucasfilm was unanimously like, wow, this guy did something really special and we think the fans are really going to like this. I mean, I can understand why they would give him a new trilogy, especially because it also seems like they are going to either discontinue or at least put on hold the, you know, the main episodic saga films um after episode nine and so i think it does kind of make sense that just because star wars has always kind of been in trilogies they want to kind of differentiate like okay we're still doing the spin-offs you know every other year or whatever but then this thing that ryan johnson is making like it's not just a one-off spin-off film like this is sort of the next star wars trilogy like this is the next big part of the story mm-hmm. and the one that they want to kind of promote as like their their big tentpole ones every other year so um but I don't know. It will be very interesting to see how people respond to that, though. I I think and really hope that Ryan Johnson is going to do an awesome job given a clean slate to work with. Um, because in retrospect now, I mean, I, and I've said this before, like I loved The Last Jedi when it first came out. I need to watch it again because I've only watched it once since it came out on Blu-ray. Um but, you know, saw it a bunch of times in the theaters and just my my feelings on it have gotten more and more complicated over time. And I think it maybe was a mistake for him to just try so hard to, like, sort of subvert expectations and do unexpected things. And, like, sometimes you got to just give the fans what they want. Um, but I think given a, a blank slate to work with and creating a new story and new characters and not working with characters that people are already heavily invested in. And so people won't be mad when you do your own thing with those characters that they wanted to see something else happen to. Um, I think uh, 
you know, I think he'll probably have a much easier time with that, but I hope people give him a chance, because I still think that was part of the reason that Solo didn't do as well. I think there's still a lot of angry fans out there who absolutely who boycotted it after The Last Jedi, um, and hopefully, say, hopefully those fans boycott. will... Huh? I wouldn't even say boycott, though, Kyle. I would say, because you have, like, those idiot soy people who are like, soy low, those idiots. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, they, the, the, that's a small, small minority. I, I think what you're, I, I think what would be better to say is that people were disinterested because of Last Jedi, not even boycott. Well, I mean, I think there were some people who might have just been disinterested, and some people who were legitimately angry and were like, "No, I'm not going to go support this." Um, and I'm that's hoping, true. hopefully, they win those people over and they come back for you know Episode Nine and for Obi Wan and Boba Fett and all that kind of stuff, but. Those people are not easily going to forget that it was Ryan Johnson who ruined Luke Skywalker for them. And so, you know, I, I think when uh, when the first movie in his trilogy comes around, there probably will still be some fans who are like, oh, no, I don't want, you know, anything to do with, uh, you know, Ryan Johnson and whatever Star Wars stuff he's working on. Because, see, the the downside to that, too, is because it's a completely new trilogy and it's not going to be episode 10 or whatever it's like if you want to skip out on that, it's like you're not going to be missing sort of an essential part of like the ongoing story that you've been invested in up to this point. Um, and of course, I'm not advocating for that. I mean, I'm going to be there for every Star Wars movie, no matter who directs it. But um, I'm just saying it'll be it'll be interesting to see how people respond to that. And uh, I don't know, maybe how will it how how much fans are willing to, uh, you know, forgive and forget or, you know, embrace whatever new stuff he's working on. I really hope they give him a chance um, because I think there are some things in The Last Jedi that are brilliant. Um, and I I really am uh, sort of anticipating to see what he can do with, um, you know, with sort of his own new playground to work with. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, that's an interesting point you brought up, Paul, with Ryan Johnson and his trilogy. Because, yeah, I mean, because I wonder, too, did Lucasfilm, like, were they thinking about that even before the solo box office failure, just based off the split reaction of The Last Jedi? Did that come into the factor at all? But now with the box office failure of Solo and wanting to make sure all their future movies don't have those same problems again, if they're going to, you know, reevaluate Ryan Johnson's trilogy and if they are going to make any changes or whatnot to how they're going to go about it. Because it was always said, even in the initial press release, he's for sure going to write and direct the first movie. And they were kind of going to wait and see what happens with the other two to get they're going to be other directors for that. So, I mean, if th that could still be their plan, maybe if, you know, the first one isn't a massive hit and they can just bank on, you know, other directors being involved. And right. I don't know if that'll necessarily save it. But it is interesting that you bring that up because I think that is a legitimate you know, kind of a concern to have with the state of the future Star Wars movies right now. And also, too, going back to a little bit of what you were saying earlier, Kyle, about getting the Star Wars movies once a year, I think for sure we're definitely in, or at least getting them back in December. I think definitely we're not going to get one every six months <laughs> mm -hmm. for a long time, if not ever. Which but is I fine. Can, yeah, it wouldn't be. I mean, I'd, I thought it was great getting Star Wars movies that close, but at the end of the day, I'd rather have the movies be, you know, successful and more people see him and enjoy him than me just getting them quicker. I could wait a little bit if that would be the case. But after episode nine, it's going to be really interesting if we're going to get a little break. Are we going to get a movie in 2020 
after that. And that's what I'm really curious to see. And hopefully we get some answer to that celebration in Chicago, just what the next slate is going to be after episode nine. What is going to come first? Is Ryan Johnson, the next his trilogy, the first film in that trilogy, is that going to be the next film on the docket after episode nine, even if it's going to be a few years? Or is the Obi-Wan movie still going to be a go and we get that in 2020 or 2021? So I'm just really curious to see. I'm sure this is what Lucasfilm in that Hollywood Reporter article saying they're reassessing things. I'm sure this is one of those things. Just if we're going to take a little break after episode nine, a, a year or a year or two, maybe even, and then see what movie comes out after that. Is that enough time for the first episode or I should say first movie in Ryan Johnson's trilogy or are the Game of Thrones creators, Benioff and Weiss, is their movies going to be moved up ahead over Ryan Johnson's? Or again, all these question marks in the air. I'm just really curious what is going to be next. And hopefully, we get some official answers to that soon. I, I, the one silver lining I think to all this is that we, you, Ryan Johnson will tailor his first movie to really be a one and done, and movie instead of you know if if what's to say the fans were. Uh, majority liked the last Jedi and then solo did okay. Then I think Lucasfilm would probably let him do a lot more sequel planting in his first movie. Mm. Now with all this, I think it almost guarantees it's going to be a wrapped up story where you can see those, those main characters again, but there's not going to be like seeds planted of like, we got to do this and you know, we got to plan for this movie and plan for that movie. They're going to be like, no, you know, your story needs to be, done in this movie and if there's more we'll add more you, you know have a story but don't no obvious sequel ties like solo unfortunately i feel like there's so yeah. much to follow up on which they'll probably follow up on in books or comics or something but his movie will probably be no i don't want to it's not going to be sequel proof but something like that if that makes any sense mm-hmm. no i got you and i wondering i'm wondering too like when they start talking about his movies if they're going to back away from it being a trilogy like when press releases or questions it's going to be referred to as like ryan johnson's next star wars movie instead of referring to it as a trilogy because of that so it's kind of backing away from making sure this trilogy is a sure thing but just you know seeing how the first one goes i wonder if that's going to be <laughs> some of the, the reworkings that are going to go on once we move along and get closer to uh, his movies going to production yeah possibly um Here's one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about, and I'm actually kind of sticking this in here. We didn't have this on our, our list of stories to talk about. How dare but, you? <laughs> um, well, and it just reminded me as we were talking about all this, this was a, a big thing that I guess we just didn't happen to have on our Twitter feed, so I kind of skipped over it. But obviously kind of going along these similar lines, um, there were a lot of kind of rumblings and rumors and stuff going around over the past couple of weeks saying that, uh, Bob Iger and the folks at Disney were starting to kind of become unhappy with Kathleen Kennedy and the way that she's running Lucasfilm um, and reports that they were looking at possibly replacing her or that she might be stepping down soon um, and that they were looking at replacements and they had like asked J.J. Abrams if he wanted to do it and he flat out said no and um, you know all this kind of stuff I mean what do you guys make of those kind of rumors and do you think I mean, do, do you think they're accurate and do you think they're necessary? Yeah, honestly, I didn't buy into any of those rumors and reports, actually, because first of all, I don't think they came from reputable sources unless I missed something. But <laughs> it just sent like a lot of stuff. Randolph fl- isn't isn't reliable. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just. <laughs> Enough said. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it just really sounded like just stuff being thrown out there for the sake of, you know, conversation and to stir the pot type of thing. And even if, yeah, it was something that was being, you know, somewhat accurate and there was that was going on, I would think it'd be really unnecessary. To me, it's just how could you let one film out of four that were all made a billion bucks and were well received by critics, got great reviews, and then all that stuff's great. You know, Feather and Kathleen Kennedy's cat, but one just one bad movie that underperforms and all of a sudden you're gonna oh, she has to go now, or we're not sure this is working out with you in charge now, Kathleen Kennedy. We're gonna have to start um finding your replacement or you're gonna have to start stepping down. It's like I don't really don't think they would do that. If it was a series of bad films in a row, then yeah. That'd be something I'd probably believe in more if they decided to go that route. But and then the thing too, like you were saying about J.J. Abrams being offered it, but the stress would be too high or to be in control of Star Wars. Like nobody wants to take Star Wars now because it's such a thankless job or there's too much pressure on it. I think there'd be a lot of people in the film industry who'd be jumping at the chance to be the president of Lucasfilm. So, yeah, I didn't really buy into that from the get-go, and I personally don't think. That's something it would be warranted, even if it was going on, just based off one movie. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, just to and and I'm not saying that I buy into this either, but just for the sake of discussion, because the the stuff that I was reading about, it seemed like it definitely wasn't just based off of the one movie. It wasn't just because of Solo. It almost seemed like it more had to do with the Last Jedi and the fact that even though that was financially successful, the fact that it basically split the fan base in half and that the failure of solo was kind of you know they kind of saw that as the repercussions of that um and that they were kind of unhappy with just sort of the overall state of things right now um and um also i mean as far as jj abrams goes i i that was the one part that i kind of did feel like was maybe had some credibility to it because you remember how hard really? Kathleen Kennedy had to convince well you you remember how hard she had to convince him to uh to direct the force awakens and they yeah. went through so many directors you know potential see, directors for that movie and nobody wanted the pressure of it um see i just don't believe the fact that they even talked to him or offered that to him <laughs> oh well not th- i mean i could see because he's not just a director but a producer with his own company and that he's been involved with two of the new Star Wars films now. I could see that um, as a, I mean, I don't know that he would be the best choice, but certainly if this is something that was actually going on, I I would, you know, kind of expect that he would at least be on Disney's radar or be somebody that they would talk to about it. Um, I, but I definitely find it easy to believe that, that people in Hollywood are not going to be jumping at the chance just because of the huge amount of pressure that comes with that. Um you know, the fact that, I mean, for Kathleen Kennedy to even come on and do it, like, she was friends with George Lucas for years, and she's a hugely successful movie producer, so it's not like George was able to just, you know, pick any, you know, new up-and-coming guy and be like, hey, come take over. Um, you know, and, and again, just kind of knowing, like, how hard it was for them to lock down a director for The Force Awakens, like, if if people are skittish about taking over, you know, one movie... Um, and especially now, yeah, with the the fallout from The Last Jedi and from Solo and the fact that, I mean, the fan base is kind of divided right now and there's, um, you know, not a ton of controversy and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's not like everything's bad, but, I mean, there's been some stuff that, yeah, would probably be 
stressful stuff that not a lot of people would want to deal with. Like I, you know, if I were a producer, like for the one, on the one hand, I would love to get the chance to work on Star Wars, but on the other hand, to be in charge of all of it, I don't know that I'd want that much responsibility. So um, again, if this was actually the case, I could definitely see, you know, that being part of the issue and like, you know, something that not a lot of people would want to sort of, uh, you know, jump into the ring with. I don't understand how people think, you know, there's all these issues or these rumors or or whatever out there that people don't want to touch Star Wars because of how toxic fandom is or whatever. Like, it's amazing to me. And and you guys are sports fans like me. How much this emulates like sports and whatnot, (laughs) like in front office things and whatnot. Think about it. Like every move that the general manager makes is criticized. Like, why did you trade that guy? And why didn't you sign this player? And blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they don't like him one day. It's never the right move. Yeah. Yeah. Never the right move. They love him one second. They love him. They hate him a second, you know, less. And until they win a championship. And then after the championship, they start criticizing, blah, blah, blah. It just goes in cycles, people. It Mm -hmm. always goes in cycles. Now, but here's the thing that I want everyone to understand whoever takes Lucasfilm next needs to have one major attribute. And I don't, I, I, I'm assuming Kathleen Kennedy has this. It's to have zero fear and do what you think mm-hmm. needs to be done. Just like all the people who want to make Star Wars movies after this. I saw Mangold, you know, and I like James Mangold, but he was criticizing Star Wars, saying that people are going to drive all these creative people out of here. And he's not wrong to an extent. He's going to drive people that are, don't want to deal with fans and fandoms. They want to be loved. They're going to, they're going to, you know, those people are going to drive those people away. The, you know, all the toxic fandom or whatever, right? Well, I would, and we all would agree that fandom's a lot more toxic now than it has been the last couple of years. But you got to bring in filmmakers and people in charge that have zero fear. The one thing I will give Ryan Johnson a lot of credit for, though I wish he would tone it down a little bit on Twitter, is he has no fear. He has mm-hmm. convictions and he goes for it. I give him all the respect in the world. And to be honest, even though I don't love everything about The Last Jedi, I do like the I, I do like the fact they're going for it and they have no fear. That's the key to Star Wars. You have to be I'm not saying you make this you just don't care what people think. That's not what I'm saying. You also you have to make decisions and have no fear. You have to have conviction and know I'm going to have this direction. I'm going to go this direction and not worry being about being criticized. And I don't think Kathleen Kennedy does. I don't think she cares about people on YouTube yelling at her going, little Kathleen Kennedy's got the SJW agenda, like blah, blah, blah. Like, no, she doesn't care about that. She cares mm-hmm. about making movies that are good and will make a profit. And people that are shouting these things at her to get YouTube hits and and try to generate money off of yelling at people like her, you know, all this stuff. It's ridiculous. And, Mm -hmm. but but, but really what it comes down to people like Kathleen Kennedy, they have to have no fear. They have, and they have, they can't care about toxic fandom waiting for them. If they, if they, you know, win or lose, because in the end there's more jobs for them to do afterwards. And no matter if I would say an unknown director comes in and makes a crappy Star Wars movie, you know, or makes a movie that the Star Wars fans don't like, but it's not ter- like, like, let's, let's say I make another Han Solo, right? Another solo film. Is that going to hurt that person's career? No. Like if it's good and it, it's, it's something that he has as a, you know, as stuff he's done here or he or she has done, they'll move on to other projects. They will move on. Star Wars fans will, you know, they're not going anywhere. So the, my point is, 
the people will all the, the, the doors will revolve will, will be revolving. They're never going to be the same forever. And we just the I want the people in charge and making movies to have no fear to do what they feel they need to do. Have given the approval by the people that need to be approving or whatever, and to do it. That's all I want. Do, am I going to agree on everything? No. Do I love everything Ryan Johnson's done? No. But I, that's what I want, and that's who needs to be in charge of Star Wars. Whether it be JJ, Kathleen. Dave Filoni, Bob Iger, or Tim DeRossi. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars can't worry about backlash from fans because not everyone loves the movie. Because ultimately, it's the it's a excuse me the majority audience, the mainstream audience. You've got to win over. If you win, you know, obviously George and and Ryan Johnson have proven that Star Wars fans aren't going to love even J.J. Abrams aren't going to love everything. You know, there's going to be split. You know, I mean, Force Awakens. As the movie went on, it became more split. Like, mm -hmm. well, not as bad as Last Jedi, but not it wasn't a slam dunk. I mean, I'm surprised Rogue One isn't as controversial as it is. I feel that's the more the most safe out of all these movies that have come out. Yeah, you yeah know? well, but, and and Rogue One, I mean, I think to some extent too, has faced some of the same things as the Last Jedi, where people loved it at first, and then over time, you know, there's kind of more and more descending opinions from, you know, people who are like, well, you know, I liked it at first, and now, you know, I don't love it that much, or the people who didn't like it as much kind of speak up more. Um, but, I mean, definitely, I feel like, like, The Force Awakens and Rogue One still are generally very well-received, um, especially in contrast to, you know, The Last Jedi. But... Um, yeah. Anyway, were you, were you uh, still going with your thought there? Yeah, but basically, I, I was done. I I just think that Lucasfilm and the creative people have to they have to you know I think they need to definitely listen to the listen to the fans and see what people want and try to tailor something for the fans. But you also have to like not worry about if it's going to please everyone either. I mean, or or whatever. It's like if you go for something like you know, for instance, let's say hypothetical, right? What I'm trying to give an example is let's say. Joe Schmo takes over Kathleen Kennedy, you know, someone who's got some experience he or she, you know, whatever. And they say, listen, this is a plan I want. I know the fans want this. They don't want this, you know, for majority of people want this. They don't want that. They want this Obi-Wan movie, but this is the, what I want the Obi-Wan to do. I want this person in charge, blah, blah, blah. And I want those decisions to be like, not them to not second guess themselves. I want them to be confident. And that's the thing. Don't live in fear. If you live in fear, you're going to second guess yourself and make bad decisions. If you're convicted and you know, like, I want that person in charge. I want that director. I want that writer. I want it done by this time. You got to have those convictions. And that's what I want. And I think Kathleen Kennedy, for the most part, has done that. I think she also has regretted making some decisions and, and she's got made some pretty, let's be real, Rogue One and Solo. She's made some pretty crazy things that not a lot of people have done. And she doesn't live in fear. She still did them. I mean, she went and reshot a, a decent portion of Rogue One with Tony Gilroy. And, you know, with, it looks like Gareth Edwards there. And it turned out to be a huge success. And then the same thing with uh, Solo or something similar that just w was not getting the results she wanted. She just fired the people outright and brought in a veteran director like Ron Howard. Those are decisions I want. Are they always right decisions? Maybe not. But at the same time, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy has made a lot of a lot of bad decisions. I think the worst thing she's done is honestly, given like given the um, the guys from Solo, the original directors, Lord Miller, 
gave them, she kind of put them in, you know, let it go too long. She should have maybe made it, made it go uh, a decision faster. Mm -hmm. But besides that, I think she's done a great job. So that's what I want. I want someone like Kathleen Kennedy who's going to make decisions. Yeah, and everyone's going to love it. But you know what? She's going to, she's got conviction. She's going for it and she's doing it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's something that she doesn't get enough props for, actually, as far as exactly. the decision she did make for, especially Solo. I mean, that's part of the criticism I hear of her, all, you know, all the firings that she's done with directors, you know, Colin Trevorrow, even episode nine, Lord and Miller, the Rogue Run reshoot situation. But to me, that just shows, and I've said this before, it just shows that she knows what she wants in this movies and how they should be and shows that she really cares about getting them right to the fact that she would fire Lord and Miller when principal photography was almost done and to get someone else in there and reshoot almost a bunch of the movies that just, and like you said, Paul, both rogue one and solo, it worked out for the best. I mean, in our opinion, they're great movies. So the fact that she took, she made those tough choices to, you know, fire directors and get someone like Ron Howard in there to get the movie back on track and not just, you know, stay the course with Lord and Miller and see if they can save it within editing or whatnot and just not be happy with it. But no, she knew what Solo was supposed to be and she wasn't getting it from Lauren Miller and she had to make the change. So and again, it worked out for the best. So to me, when I hear those criticisms about the directors being let go or whatnot, to me, that's, it's a positive sign for her knowing that, you know, just it wasn't working and she's taking action to make sure it does work. So I completely agree with you. And I guess too, if, I was put in charge of Lucasfilm, like you said, Paul. Get ready for Captain Phasma standalone movie, the Death Trooper <laughs> standalone movie. I regret everything. The Nest standalone movie is going to come. I mean, all the cool looking characters are getting, you know, their movies are becoming priority. <laughs> Man. Um, yeah, well, you know, and I, I agree with that too. Like the, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnson, um, I think it's great that they are you know, bold and confident and fearless and stand by their decisions. I think the reason that, you know, this controversy is kind of brewing up now is because people are not happy with those decisions. Um, and it's like, well, you know, if you're if you're boldly making stuff that the fans don't like and it's costing us money, then we're going to have issues. Again, that's the speculation that these talks are going on at Disney and stuff. I don't know how accurate that is. Obviously, nothing official has come of that. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I do think, I mean, again, talking about like, especially with the last Jedi, like it, that was one thing that I loved about it at first. And I thought Ryan Johnson was brilliant for making such bold decisions. Um, and then, you know, looking at it more sort of after the fact and after multiple viewings, I'm like, I kind of wish he had done a bit more of a balance of like making bold decisions, but also listening to what the fans wanted and not just giving the fans exactly what they want. Exactly. And because, yeah. and that's the thing too. I mean, the reason that you have to be bold and stick by your decisions is because you can't please everybody. Um, exactly. But at the same time, I think when you're in charge of something that is so big and so popular and so beloved, like star Wars is, I think you do have to not pander to the fans or make every decision based on what are the fans going to want, but you do kind of have to try to listen to some of that input and at least keep them in mind and not just think, well, I'm going to do what I think is best and the fans can take it and do what they want with it. Um, you know, I think it is kind of important to um, at least keep in mind, like, how is this going to impact the the millions of people worldwide that are in love with these stories? While at the same time, like I said, not basing every decision off of like, how can I please millions of people with this? Because you can't. Um, 
so I don't know. I mean, I, I just thought that was, uh, you know, something interesting to think about. Like I said, we'll see uh, in time, you know, if there ends up being any truth to those rumors or anything like that. Um, but, I mean, it, I just thought, you know, again, not that I totally bought into it, but it seemed like something that there was, maybe was a little, you know, like I, I could see it being a possibility just because, again, like th things are kind of fractured right now. Um and it's it's hard to say. I was gonna say to an extent that they haven't really been before, but then again, I mean, I was a kid when the prequels came out, and you know, the internet and social media wasn't really a thing yet. So, um, you know, it was kind of hard to gauge the reaction and be like, oh, is this just like how divided people were over the prequels, or is it, you know, is this different because it's kind of a new generation thing, and George Lucas isn't in charge, and the people that grew up with his movies are kind of unhappy with this new stuff. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, it was like. What you said about the prequels, I thought that was as divided it was going to get between Star Wars fandom, but yeah. man, it got. <laughs> I didn't think it'd get worse than that, but it really has, which is really, really sad. <laughs> to yeah, say that that's the case. So I hope that I mean, whether it comes from a regime change or just some changes to the films going forward, I mean, I hope that they can do something to sort of bring this back together. Um, See, that's another reason which, I don't buy into that rumor about you know. Disney looking to get rid of Kathleen Kennedy. I think if this was like the first two movies out the gate, yeah. But at the same time, with the success she's had to getting, you know, Star Wars relaunched in this new era, I mean, you would have to at least, I would think, hopefully, give her the chance to like get it back to where it was with The Force Awakens and Rogue One, not just immediately look for a change with, um, you know, kind of a downturn with Solo and the split with The Last Jedi reaction. So um, mm -hmm. like, that's what kind of makes me think, I think definitely with the rep, the credibility that Kathleen Kennedy has just was in her career before Lucasfilm and then getting Star Wars back off the ground again she would have that opportunity to do that and you know let's hopefully episode nine is the movie that does that you know because that's obviously the next one on the docket but it's going to be a, a really big deal because it's obviously like I said the next new Star Wars film coming and the one that's going to wrap up the sequel trilogy and we're, it could be the sky and it, we don't know but it could possibly be the movie that wraps up the Skywalker saga Love it. in general yeah. so Love it. <laughs> We shall see. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's a lot of pressure on JJ's shoulders to be like, hey, make a, make a movie that, you know, satisfies everybody and brings this divided <laughs> fandom back together. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I will, I, I will say I think I think the biggest mistake that, that Kathleen Kennedy and sort of everyone involved in these movies so far has made with this new trilogy is not having a solid outline from the get-go of what the story was going to be. Um, I would agree with yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of a mistake to just. I mean, not again. Not that I think it was a mistake to to let Ryan Johnson write and direct the Last Jedi, or that I think that movie was a failure or anything like that. But I think it would have been a lot better if they had, you know, if they had outlined story beats, you know, from the Force Awakens and like, hey, this is where this is supposed to go next, mm -hmm. rather than like, hey, JJ wrote some stuff and you know, go and just take it wherever you see it going. Um, cause now, I mean, it's back in JJ's hands and he maybe has his own ideas from the force awakens that he wants to carry over into episode nine, but then he's got to work with what Ryan did. And, you know, I really hope it doesn't end up in one big mess. Um, and I, and I think what he ends up doing with episode nine is going to really sort of inf inform people's overall view on this, you know, the whole sequel trilogy, um, when it's all said and done. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I always still had a hard time believing that was the case, even when we heard like early, like even before The Force Awakens was coming out or before that, like shortly after it came out, like well, there's got to be an outline plan. Like there's no way they're going to do that. I mean, right. To me, I, I just can't think of, you know, JJ created and Lawrence Kasdan created the character of Ray, the whole mystery of who she is. But I'm not going to tell that. I'm just going to leave that for whoever is going to do episode eight. They're going to have that big of a thing to reveal. The, like to me, it just it was I had a hard time picturing that as even from a creative standpoint, wanting to do that. <laughs> like it's not sure he probably have his ideas, but to not have it be something that was set in stone, where it's like, okay, you got to hit that point and hit that point from the overall story they're trying to tell with these characters. But nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the then you you, you watch you watch episode or you watch the Last Jedi, and you're like, wow, they they weren't kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea what they were doing after. Yeah. Um, but I will say though, going that route, I mean, I would if you told me that before we even got the Force Awakens, I would be like preparing for a mess of things. And I yeah. guess all things considered, it it hasn't gone off the rails, and I've been more than happy with the narrative that we've gotten so far. It hasn't, you know, totally be a complete disaster. It's it's making sense <laughs> as yeah, it goes through. That's true. It could have been better, but it also could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of episode nine, we actually have oh. our first couple bits of uh, casting news and rumors. I mean, we'll call them rumors at this point, although some of these are coming from fairly reputable sources and they're certainly not too hard to believe. Um, but first off, we got a big uh, rumor that Billy D. Williams is reprising his role as Lando finally in episode nine after two movies of people asking, hey, you know, where's Lando to go along with uh, Han and Luke and Leia? Um so, I mean, this has been, you know, thrown around by, like, Hollywood Reporter and those kind of sources. So, um, I mean, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that, yeah, I, I don't think it's certainly out of the question. Um, you know, I could see him coming back. But um, I don't know. How do, how do you guys feel about this? I'll ask you first because I kind of have slightly mixed feelings about it. Um, I, I think it's very... It's it's fine. I mean, I'm excited to see Lando. I love Lando. He's one. He's probably one of my. I didn't realize it until a couple of years ago, but he's probably probably one of my favorite characters. Uh, I loved his story and his arc in uh, the original trilogy. I loved seeing reading about him and reading his comics that Charles Soule had written uh, a couple of years ago. That is fantastic and yeah, highly totally recommended. Really Gotta pick that up. I I. But at the same time. It doesn't get me excited, you know. It's like okay, it, I figure he was showing up at some point, and I'm happy about it. I mean, I, what, I'm looking forward to getting a, you know, journey to the episode insert episode nine title here uh, novel about Lando and what he's been doing the last you know thirty <laughs> years. So yeah. that'll be fun to read. But obviously, he's probably not going to have this like a, a gigantic role. It's, you know, it's more for the fans and that's fine. I, I think that's great. This is stuff we want to see. So I'm fine with it. I'm happy about it. I doubt he'll have a major role. If he did and it was, I'd be stoked about it, but I just don't, I'm not expecting much. Yeah. For me, first off, I just got to say, still feels a little weird that we're getting episode nine casting news right now. It's hard to believe we're at this point already <laughs> hearing mm-hmm. things about the last movie and the sequel trilogy. It's still kind of wrapping my head around that, that this trilogy is almost over, but um, in regards to Lando, it was something that I can't say I was too surprised. I'm kind of expecting it. And like you said, Paul, it's cool that 
Billy Dee Williams is coming back to have Lando in this trilogy. I think it would have been a shame if we got through the sequel trilogy and there was no Lando or no mention of him. <laughs> There'd be a big omission. I mean, coming off of Empire and Return of the Jedi, it would feel weird not to have him in one of these movies at some point. So I'm gl- definitely glad he's in episode nine. But the thing I'm wondering and curious about is, is this kind of a reactionary type inclusion of Lando mm-hmm. since... You know, wow. Solo's dead. Mark or Luke Skywalker's dead. <laughs> we gotta kill off Lando. <laughs> no, not going that route. But I know, Carrie, I know. Carrie Fisher's passed away sadly. I mean, she was supposed to be the, you know, main character from the original trilogy who would be the lead in Episode Nine. But you know, sadly, that's not the case anymore. So it's like, are they just including Lando because he's the last of you know main character of the original trilogy to have in this in the movie? So kind of me thinks that maybe that is part of the reason, but. I would like to believe that, no, this was kind of something that hopefully J.J. wanted to do from the get-go when he was brought on to write Episode Nine, and just to have him included in it just because, you know, it would be great to have Lando again in the trilogy. So, yes, so not a huge surprise I was expecting it, but at the same time, I'm wondering if it is because he's kind of like the only one left from the main trilogy. So it's going to be interesting. Like you said, Paul, I am curious to see uh, what Lando (laughs) is going to be up to. Like, what's his state in life (laughs) at this point? Because is he going to be part of the resistance? I don't think he is. And I kind of wouldn't want him to be for some reason because I'm kind of have him be, you know, someone who's out of the fight, but still there for Han and Leia when, you know, they needed him. And now, of course, uh, with them being gone for episode nine, he's going to be needed more than ever. So I'm wondering what's going to, you know, really drive him back into the fight was, is it going to be like something that Chewie brings him back or he sees the status of, the resistance now after the events of the last Jedi, he gets involved again. So it's going to be interesting. And like you said, just during that, you know, 33 year period between return of the Jedi and the force awakens is what he's been doing. We got a little taste of it in uh, the last shot novel that takes place a little bit after return of the Jedi. We know he, you know, has met Ben Solo and Han and Leia as what uh, he was a little kid. I think it was like two years after return of the Jedi he was, or something around that it wasn't too long after Jedi. So um, yeah, should be interesting to see what he's been up to and just how he gets back into the mix of things and just who he's going to be interacting with mostly in the movie. Is it going to be with Ray? Is it going to be with Poe kind of working things out in the resistance or with Finn? So, yeah, it should be exciting. But the one thing I'm hoping for is that he gets back on the Falcon. You know, that's going to be cool in itself. But now they have an opportunity to have an L3 reference where he mentions L3 or says like a... <laughs> Although to L3 as being part of the Nav computer now. So I'm kind of hoping for that little, you know, Easter egg or reference that we get in the movie. So I kind of don't want the L3. Really? Yeah, just because he's already been in the Falcon earlier than that. Mm -hmm. And we didn't see any kind of, you know, nod to it. At this point, it's kind of old hat. I mean, it'd be cool. Well, it'd be kind of cool. Here's what I'd like it to do. Bear with me. I would love for him, like, let's say in that book, that probably eventual book we'll get of what Lando's been doing for a while. Like, there'll be a callback to, like, maybe at the very beginning of the book, it'll be Lando sitting in the Falcon right before he's at the fly-off in Return of the Jedi, and he, he talks to L3, like, in the Falcon, mm-hmm. like, it's been a long time, I miss you, you know, kind of like, it's like his closure of, like, saying goodbye fully, you know, because he never got to say goodbye to L3, essentially. He, she yeah. died in his arms, and, and then he lost, or, I guess, you know, he did, he flew off and whatever, but... He did, Han won the Falcon suddenly pretty quick after Solo. So I imagine, you know, he when he sits down and, and flies it, he'll remember L3. And that would be cool to get that moment in a book. I don't need it in a film necessarily. 
See, I think it could work in the movie because I think it's been a very long time since Lando would have been in the Falcon. He probably hasn't been in it. Well, we'll see. There, like you said, any of the books after you know last shot. But I'd imagine even in the time period where Han and Chewie didn't have the Falcon anymore, where they lost it, and that could have been a substantial amount of time. Where if he goes back on the Falcon again, it would be something where he could say like L three, good to see you again. Mm-hmm. I do think there's opportunity for a good gap of time period to have passed for him to do that, but. And the one last thing I'll say about Lando, too, because I know this has been kind of a topic that's been going on that I've seen, even talked about it um, with some of our followers on Twitter about Lando dying in this movie. And I don't think that's going to be the case at all, because pretty much what I just stated before of, you know, Han, Luke and Leia, I don't think they're going to kill off the last, you know, main character that we've seen in the original trilogy outside of, you know, to go along with Chewie, R2 and 3PO. I guess the last human character, <laughs> I should say. I don't think they're going to kill everyone off in the from the original trilogy in the sequel trilogy. So I'm pretty confident he'll survive that, and I'm pretty sure J.J. realized that as well, that they just, this sequel trilogy can't be the one that just kills off everybody <laughs> in the mm-hmm. original trilogy. So I'm pretty confident that Lando would survive. I'll be pretty shocked if he doesn't. Yeah, well, going back to what you were talking about, about f- this feeling kind of reactionary, um, that was kind of my first instinct when i heard this i mean i thought it was cool like i i love lando's character too i think it would be awesome to see billy d williams back in that role um but i just couldn't shake the feeling that it almost felt like too little too late like people have been wanting to see him back since you know they announced episode seven and they were like oh we're gonna get to see lando come back with uh you know along with han and luke and leia and now it kind of feels like well han's gone luke's gone unfortunately we you know, presumably we're supposed to get a lot of Leia in episode nine and that's not going to happen now. And so they're like, oh, hey, now we'll bring back Lando. Um, And I even couldn't help but wonder, like, was this maybe in response to Solo? And are they trying to maybe generate a little bit more interest in that movie? Be like, hey, go see what Lando's been up to, you know, in in Solo because he's going to be important in episode nine again. Um, Like, I don't know, it, it just felt like, maybe they had motivations for that outside of just like it being a natural thing in the story. Um, but that said, I mean, like I said, I, I hope that they can, you know, naturally work him into the story that, um, you know, he has a good part to play um, and that, you know, he'll uh, be sort of an interesting part of whatever story JJ is going to tell with episode nine. Um, and again, I, I think it'll be great to see that character back, especially, uh, you know, after seeing Donald Glover, um, do the part in Solo, you know, getting to uh, see Billy D. Williams revisit his classic role one more time, I think will be cool. Um, and as far as what part he'll play in it, um, I mean, I kind of agree with you, Tim. I don't necessarily think he's going to be like, you know, taking over as leader of the resistance or being a resistance general or something like that. I think it would be kind of cool to see him fill a role similar to uh, maybe Maz or... Um, like DJ even. Um, so essentially kind of the same role he had in Empire Strikes Back. Um, but it'll be cool to just be like, oh, hey, we know who this guy is, but um, still have him be maybe a bit of a wild card, um, I think could be pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it'll it'll definitely be cool to see him back again, but I kind of wish, like... See, the thing is, if they didn't have room for Lando in this new trilogy, like, I totally understand 
Um, but if they were going to bring him in, I would have liked to see him maybe come back sooner and get to interact with Han and Luke and, you know, those guys one more time. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully they have good things in store for him in uh, episode nine. Yep. But, um, the other bit of casting news that we got is that, uh, actress Carrie Russell has been cast in an undisclosed role. Um, and this was according to Variety. So, um, again, pretty reputable source, no official announcement from Lucasfilm or anything like that. Um, but obviously, I mean, she's, uh, you know, a well-known actress that's been in a lot of stuff. So, um, I think it would be, I don't know. I, I really have no idea what, you know, she's going to bring to this. I'm not super familiar with her, but I mean, I know just, I know her by name and I know she's been in a lot of stuff. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things when we get these casting announcements and stuff, um, as they start working on these new movies, it's like, okay, cool. You know, excited to see what they're going to do and what that character is going to be. Um, and, uh, you know, really don't have much to go on at this point, but, um, did you guys have any thoughts on that one? Um, yeah. So the one that the line that stuck out to me in the report from variety is that, you know, the role is going to require some action heavy fight scenes. So to me, that got me thinking of what type of role that she could be and what character she could be playing. So when I first got the announcement and saw that I'm kind of hoping she plays a bad guy in this movie. And, you know, we're all hoping for, you know, the Knights of Ren to play a role in episode mm. nine. So I'm, I think it'd be really cool if she was, you know, part of part of the Knights of Ren. Maybe, you know, someone like second in command after Kylo Ren, like his, you know, someone like his general or someone like his, like I said, the person he goes to in the Knights of Ren that's there uh, to lead the group when he's not. So I think that could be really cool. Just to have you know someone who's in the bad in the bad guy role uh, to go with Kylo and for a more physical battles too that we can get. So that's something I'm hoping to see with Carrie Russell's role here. And I have seen her in a few things, but not the thing she's mainly known for, which is the TV show Felicity in the '90s. But I did see her in uh, the second Planet of the Apes movie, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and just a voiceover work she did uh, the voice of Wonder Woman in the movie that animated movie that came out in 2009. So that's the only work I'm familiar with. Kerry Russell is and what she's done, but I know she's a solid actress and she's worked with JJ before on other projects. Like I know JJ was, I believe, one of the creators for the TV show Felicity. Yeah, and, he was a producer. Okay. Stuff. Yeah, and then also she was in uh, Mission Impossible Three, which he of course directed. So kind of JJ going back to some someone familiar he's worked with, which is you know kind of cool ones. You know, dire- directors go with actors they feel comfortable working with, and you know, so not a huge surprise that JJ would go that route, but. You know, still, like again, I just can't. <laughs> I'm still wrapping my head about getting episode nine casting news. Not only like the Billy D. Williams is, but getting things for new characters and what type of new characters we can expect to see in the final chapter of the sequel trilogy. That's right now. I'm still at that point that <laughs> that's what really sticks out to me is, is that we're at this point for episode nine. We're getting not only one but two casting announcements here for the movie, so which is exciting at the same time a little bit sad because you know, we're nearing the end of this era of star wars in episodes seven eight and nine so yeah we'll probably still be feeling that way and it's going to increase increase the more like when we get the title the trailers and all that stuff up until release so this is just the beginning of it and it's just uh, feels a little strange right now but at the same time glad we're getting news for it because you know it just gives us more stuff to talk about and to speculate on mm-hmm. i think 
I think it's cool that Carrie Russell was, was cast. I'm not super familiar with her, like you know, like just like Tim isn't either. I do know that she's in the that American show that is critically acclaimed, and people who watch it love it. And it's been going on a long time now. And and I heard she is gives a great, great kind of a darker performance in that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I've seen her. You know, she was fine in, in the in the Planet of the Apes movie, the sequel that we saw. Um, that she was in or whatever, and it was fine. She was fine, and I don't think she's. I think she's got good range. It sounds like she's a solid actress. So, but like Tim, I'm really hoping she's a she's a bad guy. I, I hope she's one of the Knights of Ren. How rad would that be? I, yeah. I I really am kind of hoping that the Knights of Ren play a big part in this movie, and I'll be extremely disappointed if we don't, considering what how cool they are and what the the mystery that's been developed from Episode Seven. It'd be awesome to see a female uh, villain in in this kind of like force user role. If that is in case, if that is in fact uh, the people that left with Kylo Ren. Uh, when he turned on Luke, that maybe she was one of those students, and maybe she is, in fact, that leader that yeah. Tim's kind of talking about. Like mm-hmm. that's that would be really cool because we haven't got a lot of female villains. It'd be nice to have a kind of a female Sith-ish villain, if you will. So, but you know, I I, I trust that JJ was, is going to put her in a role. It sounds, you know, from what it sounds like from a Variety said, it's a pretty substantial role with action scenes. So she's going to be doing some action scenes in it. So I'm hoping that's why we're all kind of gravitating towards the Knights of Ren because. That's what we want to see is the Knights of Ren. You know, I mean, personally, I want to see Kylo Ren take on Rey, obviously, but I want to see the Knights of Ren with versus Finn, maybe another new character, Rose, and maybe even Poe, where they're taking on, like, they're in over their heads, and they're, like, taking on these really crazy, you know, ex-Jedis. Now they're just full-on warriors, you know, just anything goes, and where anything is possible as, as far as that goes and how nuts that would be. So that's my own, again, I'm all, you know, I am speculating a little uh, irresponsibly, if you will. So <laughs> I'm going to calm that down, but I, will, I really hope she plays a part of the Knights of Ren. But if not, I'm sure JJ will find a place for her or a good place for her. Yeah, same. Yeah. I mean, regardless of whether or not she's part of it, um, and I do think that would be cool, but I... I need the Knights of Ren to be a part of this movie. If they leave us hanging and wrap up this entire trilogy and just never bother to explain anything else about the Knights of Ren, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, at the same time, I mean, that leaves the door open for some really cool future, you know, comics or a, a TV series or something like that. But, um, yeah, I think it would be really cool to see them play a big part in Episode Nine. Yeah, something I didn't even think about. I'm glad you mentioned it, Paul, because like I said, I would think it'd be really cool for her to be a villain and part of the Knights of Ren, but to have her be one of the students that Kylo Ren took from Luke's Jedi Temple, I think that would be awesome. Just to have another main character who, you know, was there and understands or was there with Luke and kind of understands what his teaching was and, you know, we'll learn why she decided to go with Kylo Ren if that was the case. And just to have two other, uh, or just... You know, you got Kylo, you got Rey, and then you have another character who was there and knows Luke and knows about Luke. And just to kind of give us another perspective on his character, I think that could be really, really cool. So now you got me thinking that that's what I want to happen now, Paul, to have her be one of those characters. So hopefully that's the case. But I think that could be really exciting. Yeah, definitely. Well, now that we've started uh, getting these rumors trickling in, it'll be fun to, you know, start up all the speculation and everything over the next few months as we get more casting rumors and i'm sure just like with every other movie you know once uh filming actually starts we'll probably get like a full casting announcement and 
um yeah you know start getting all the little details trickling in about the new characters and the, before you know it we'll be getting like the vanity fair articles with like all the photos from the set and all that kind of stuff so yeah that's another crazy thing it's going to be filming at the end of this month just a few more weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh going by too quick yeah um, all right, well, that's pretty much it for the movie news, so we'll get into uh, some little things about um, the animation and video games and stuff like that. First of all, with uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, there's some new stuff going on there. I think in our la- was it our last episode that we talked about uh, the announcement of like the Clone Wars DLC and that kind of stuff from uh, E3, mm-hmm. um, and now they've officially released their um, their content roadmap for the rest of the year, which isn't um i don't know maybe as detailed as i had hoped it would be in terms of dates and things i mean a lot of this is kind of just what i kind of was already assuming but um so just to kind of break it down here for july um this update actually just uh came out about a week ago and i unfortunately haven't gotten to play it yet but they just added the hero starfighters update um, which adds the new, um, you know, hero starfighters mode where everybody gets to start as a hero ship and you're trying to wipe out all the hero ships on the other team. Um, Tim, let's get on and play that. Cause I know Paul won't bother flying with us, but, um, <laughs> I'm excited to check that out. It sounds like fun. Um, that's not true. I will jump on the, the, the one thing that's going to get me on there is the hero ship thing. I, I, I like the idea because do you guys know how it works? Because I was watching a video. I didn't. I haven't even played it yet myself. But apparently, yeah. you start off with three ships, three hero ships, and then when once you blow up or die or whatever in your hero ship, you spawn as a regular ship. Right. So, um, and I think I think it's actually I think it's actually four on four. Oh, okay, whatever, four on four. But but still, I like that. That sounds like fun actually because. I'm never going to get good enough to, to be one of those hero ships ever. So this will be a time for me to actually play the Lando ship and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it's kind of like the heroes versus villains mode from the original Battlefront, where it was like a combination of like people playing as heroes and people playing as regular troopers, except everybody start gets to start out as a hero ship. Um, and then like, yeah, like you said, when you die, you just respawn and you can pick any fighter you want, apparently from, uh, just, you know, the faction that you're on. So any, you know, light side or dark side ship that you want. Um, and then it's just the first team to wipe out all the hero ships on the other team wins. Um, and then they've added some additional improvements. Like, uh, you can switch your lightsabers on and off now, and they've made some changes to like the stamina system on the lightsaber heroes and how the blocking works and all that kind of stuff which apparently didn't go over so well um again i haven't really been able to play much since this update but i've been hearing about you know glitches and how they need to go back and fix some things and i guess they actually completely removed emperor palpatine from the game temporarily because he was yeah i was surprised by that so bugged i mean he was able to like shoot lightning through walls and stuff like that and it was just you know completely broken and unbalanced and um you know they're like okay we're gonna take him out for now because he's just unfair and then we're gonna fix it and add him back in when we get that all sorted out um so that's what's going on right now uh then in august i guess they're adding oh they're finally adding clone trooper appearances um and then 
um, you know, just some more uh, general game improvements. Um, and so July and August were the only things that they had specific months for. And then they have um, just fall and winter timelines. And so the fall is when they're adding Obi-Wan Kenobi, General Grievous. They're adding their new large-scale game mode. Um, so kind of that Conquest-style mode, like from the old Battlefront games where you capture command posts and stuff like that. Um There'll be more clone trooper appearances, um, as well as hero appearances, and they're updating the squad system for the game. Um, and that should be fun, because as of right now, I mean, you can kind of, you know, play with a group and just kind of see where the people are that you're actually playing with in your party or whatever. But you can't really do much as far as, like, spawning on each other, or, you know, there's not really an incentive to, like, work together as a group. Um, and so I think they're going to be doing more with that and... Um, yeah, making it easier for people to group up and play with friends. Um, and then in the wintertime, they're adding Anakin Skywalker and Count Dooku as heroes, and they're adding uh, Geonosis, as well as additional clone trooper appearances and hero appearances. Um, now, the thing that I've seen them emphasize, and there's a note here at the bottom of the map that says, um, important disclaimer, more content and features to be confirmed in future roadmap updates. Detailed information on all the above will be made available in the patch notes. Um, so I, it sounds like they're kind of hinting that they might want to release more than just what's on this map this year. And that it's just, you know, they aren't able to confirm it yet. Maybe because they may or may not actually get to it. Um, but I'm really hoping that that is maybe an extra space battle that's like the Battle of Coruscant. Um, or at the very least, maybe some additional hero starfighters. Like when they add Anakin and Dooku into the game, I really hope they also add Anakin's Jedi starfighter. Um, but we'll see. I mean, the one thing that was a little disappointing with this was I was hoping that in the fall we'd be getting Geonosis along with Obi-Wan and Grievous. I figured that Anakin and Dooku were coming later, but um, just the fact that we won't be getting Geonosis until wintertime now, which will probably be like, I'm guessing December, maybe November if we're lucky, but... Um, you know, probably like right before Christmas time, we'll get to play that. Um, so it'll be still a bit of a wait, but um, at least, you know, I'm glad to know that they're still updating and adding stuff to the game and that eventually we'll be getting to play as Obi-Wan and Anakin taking on Grievous and Dooku on Geonosis and we'll uh, finally have the Clone Wars content that we've wanted for so long. Yeah, it seems like starting with the solo DLC, that's kind of the way they went about it where they have, you know, the first part of the season come out but it's not the main you know like the main attraction so to speak because the the kessel map and i believe the character skins for solo lando and chewie those didn't come out with the first update like once we got java's palace and extraction we had to wait a month or two to get that and it looks like that's mm. going to be the case with clone wars as well but clone wars as well which like you said is a little disappointing uh, especially with the location of geonosis <laughs> being the last one uh so we have to wait a little bit till we play on there, but it's going to be well worth the wait, I'm sure. And I don't know. I just like the fact, too, that we're getting three different updates with clone trooper appearances because we know how many great clone trooper designs there were <laughs> throughout the Clone Wars and even in Revenge of the Sith with all the different color schemes. So I'm glad that, you know, it's not just one clone trooper update and there's just a few like color variations that we're going to get more throughout, you know, the course of the DLC to now and the winter. So, mm -hmm. yeah, the should be cool to see all this stuff rolling out in the next few months and hopefully you know like like you said i gotta get back on there and at least try out the uh, hero uh starfighters mode because that does sound fun like you were saying but yeah so that's the first uh you know looks like many cool stuff coming for star wars battlefront for clone wars fans so 
can't wait to first not even to play, but once we see like a trailer or something for it of like Grievous and Obi Wan and then Geonosis as a map, seeing those in motion, man, it's gonna be so sweet and <laughs> just gonna mm-hmm. whet our appetite even more to have it come out. So hopefully, like at the same time, I want to see it, but if they release it too far in advance and the DLC is not coming out for another few months, it's gonna make the wait even longer. So yeah, hopefully well, they it won't be typically too much of a don't. They typically don't release trailers for the DLC until like two two to four weeks before it comes out um that's true so yeah i mean they're they're not gonna (laughs) they're not gonna drop a trailer like next month and be like here's what you're waiting for in december as much as i would love to just get any little tease of that um but yeah they're they're not gonna leave you hanging that long um but anyway, moving on to a bit of Star Wars Rebels news. First of all, uh, the final season of Rebels is coming out at the end of this month on July 31st. That'll be out on Blu-ray and DVD. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, has all the goodies, you know, bonus extras with the audio commentaries and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to getting that and uh, just re-watching that final season again. Um because I haven't really watched, I haven't watched it a whole lot, or you know, watched a lot of Rebels stuff um, since the show ended. But I just remember, um, I mean, that fourth season really had a lot of good stuff in there with the Loth Wolves and the, um, you know, that temple and all the uh, the new Force mystery kind of stuff they introduced. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be that's definitely going to be one that I'm going to pick up and just rewatch like start to finish. I think with all the other seasons, I mean, I'll eventually watch those all in a row. You know, maybe get around to marathoning them at some point. But um, I think you know, with seasons one through three, there's like specific episodes that stand out, and you get it on Blu-ray, and you're like, oh, I definitely want to go back and rewatch this one or that one. Um, but season four, I'm looking forward to just taking in that whole story again. Uh, were you going to say something, Paul? Oh, I was gonna oh no, I, I was waiting for you, my <laughs> okay. friend. I apologize. You go first. No, I was just going to say real quick, Kyle, I'm pretty, I'll probably do the opposite with this one because with the past three seasons, when they come out, I start from the very beginning and just watch the season throughout. But once season four comes out, I think I'm going to go straight to a world between worlds because yeah, <laughs> you know how course. much I love that episode. So I'll watch that one first and then go back and start from the beginning and watch it again once I get to that point. But I, I think I talked to... I'm not sure what pod I've been. I was on a lot of podcasts this last week, so I'm trying to remember which one I, I said this on, or maybe so. Maybe it was to you in private, Tim. I don't know. I, it all blends together. <laughs> but one of the things I've, I've been thinking about doing is before this the season four comes out is doing a big giant rewatch, kind of like what Kyle was saying, leading up to it. Because it when uh, I was I was uh, going through some financial troubles a few months ago, and, and I. Very good friend of mine was was uh, lent me their login to let me watch these episodes, and they will remain nameless. But uh, <laughs> I was very appreciative. But the problem was is I could only watch it on my iPad, and and I'm not, obviously I'm not being ungrateful by any means. But I watched the episodes once, and I said, okay, got it in, watched it. But there were so many things I wanted to go back and rewatch. But I'm like, no, I want to watch it on my on my television screen. My wife got me that a brand new TV for my birthday on a 4k TV. And I, and I did not want to watch them again on my iPad. Instead, I wanted to watch them on my brand new 4k TV because as Tim and well, maybe you do know Kyle, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we watched the, the Blu-rays yet at all from the present. We got you for your wedding. Uh, the uh, rebels Blu-rays uh, at all that if, when you watch them, if you haven't, they look amazing on Blu-ray that it just, it looks even better. 
And I cannot wait to see these on my 4K TV uh, in a few weeks here. I I'm really can't wait. So um, I pre-ordered it. It's coming in the mail. And I'm, and I'm just debating, do I want to do a whole rewatch or I just rewatch the fourth season? Because um, like, like Tim, it's going to be hard for me not to skip right to the last portion of the season because that last portion is probably, when I watched it, I loved it. And, and it could be some of my favorite Star Wars. I don't know. It's I only saw it the once, but some of the, but the, what I saw, I loved. So it's it's all kind of up in the air for me right now. And I'm, I'm kind of I'm waiting to see if I lo- if I truly love, love, love it. But I do know I like it a lot and I cannot wait to watch the season on uh, my my 4K TV. Yeah, definitely. Um well, speaking of that fourth season of Rebels, it was uh, deservedly so uh, emana- emanated, nominated for three <laughs> Emmy Awards uh, for Outstanding Children's Program. Pfft, do we look like children to you? Um, <laughs> outstanding, I know, really. Outstanding Music Composition for a Series for the episode uh, Family Reunion and Farewell, and outsta- Outstanding Sound Editing for the episode A World Between Worlds. Um which again was much deserved, um, especially for uh, that world between worlds. I mean, just the sound design of hearing, you know, all the dialogue lines from characters from all across the Star Wars saga, just you know, littered in the background of that uh, landscape, was just so cool. Um, so hopefully they win. I mean, I remember the last season of Clone Wars got nem- nominated for like five Emmys and won a bunch of them. So. Um, yeah, hopefully uh, Rebels is able to pick up some hardware as well. Yeah, now I'm trying to remember. I, I want to say they've won some Emmys before, but now I'm kind of questioning myself if I'm just thinking of Clone Wars. But <laughs> I would like to think that it has won awards already. But if not, hopefully, like you said, last season they can take some take home some of the awards to be a great way to close the season out with you know getting recognized for what a great season that it was. And it would be much deserved if they do win. Well, I am going to look this up right now. They have not won any Emmy Awards. They've oh, been nominated okay. before. Um, oh, yeah, they yeah. got they, they got nominated uh, the 69th Emmy Awards. I don't know which one that was. Um, but yeah, they've been nominated once before for uh, Outstanding Children's Program. Um, and they've won a couple Saturn Awards, which is like um, basically awards for like sci-fi and genre movies and TV. Um but uh, yeah, this would be their first Emmy win if they're able to uh, pick up one of those. Yeah, well, now they have to win then. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. have to keep at least the streak going where each animated series at least wins one Emmy award for something. Yeah, <laughs> and there you can go. move on to resistance. But. Yeah, and it would definitely be a good way to uh, go out on a high note there. Um, so yeah, that's the Rebels stuff, and then also this was very interesting. We got a first look at um and i forget what this was this was from some french like business meeting or something that disney was at um and they showed a oh yeah it was called the 2018 disney france partners event and um we got our first sort of leaked bit of concept art of uh what the characters are going to look like and just sort of the overall art design from star wars resistance um and so, I don't know, what did, what did you guys think of this? I mean, this is basically just an image that's, like, on screen behind this guy at, like, a presentation. Um, but there's two pictures on here of, like, a group of Resistance and a group of First Order characters. Um, 
And I'm kind of digging the, the art style here. I wasn't exactly sure, you know, how I was going to like the Switch from, like, 3D to 2D animation, just because I love what they've done with both of the 3D animated series so far. Um, but, I mean, obviously this is, like, a low-quality picture. We haven't seen any of the animation, like, actually in action yet or anything, um, or in motion. But just looking at these images of the characters here, I'm like, I think I can get on board with this. Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised with how much I really liked it just going off this, you know, kind of like you said, a picture of an image on a screen <laughs> at, a, at an event. So it's not the best thing to go off of. But even from the low quality of it, I really like the designs and the art style that the series is going for. We kind of knew they were going to go for a more like anime inspired type uh, art style for it. And you can definitely tell that just from these two screenshots that we have here and i really like it it kind of reminds me uh of the netflix uh, new voltron series voltron legendary defender which i really love and the character designs on that and the animation style is great and just from the little character glimpses we've got here reminded me of that art style and if it's anything like that i think it's going to be pretty awesome so yeah we got to look at some of the new characters kind of hard to make out but you can see poe in the background on the resistance side and bb8 but then on you know, the left side, you see the First Order side of things where you get Phasma, Stormtroopers, TIE Fighters. And then there's a red uh, trooper there. And I immediately thought of the character Cardinal from the Phasma novel, who was pretty much a character like Phasma. He had the cape, but his armor was all red. So I don't know if it's going to be the same character, but at the same time, it'd be cool to get more trooper variations <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. You know, I'm not going to complain about that. So. Uh, that was a standout to me and seeing those, that image on the First Order side of things. So, yeah, it's looking really cool. And this, like I said, even from this, you know, kind of leaked image here, it's I'm getting a good vibe from it. I'm really digging the style. So I can't wait to see, you know, some artwork officially released for it or when the trailer comes here, because I really think the art style is going to be really cool. I hate to be a wet blanket, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> I hate to do this to you all, but this art, literally does nothing for me and the only thing that got me excited was seeing a red like stormtrooper thinking it was cardinal from that phasma book because i like the, the book a lot so this series is not giving me much excitement i'll be honest this is probably the least this is probably the least amount of interest i've had in a new star wars project that's like you know on screen in forever wow i i just don't i don't know what it is I just the anim just seeing the little animation I've seen that one little glimpse, eh, it's 2D. Eh, I don't know. I just can't get excited about it. I'm gonna give it a chance. I'm gonna watch it all. I just not excited about it. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll watch it. That's fine. So, but the characters from the one I'm seeing, you know, I, I want to see a trailer. Maybe a trailer could change my mind. But at the same time, I'm not holding my breath either. So. We'll see. see, I was kind of worried that once the animation, once we heard they're going 2D, like, I, I love 2D animation. I'm all for it. But I was also a little worried that it might be like they go the cheap route with it or it might not be the best. <laughs> like kind Forces of, of Destiny? Yeah, yeah. I guess for, I mean, Forces of Destiny is fine for what it is as shorts. But yeah, as a main series, you would kind of want something a little better than that. Yeah. So when seeing these art styles and these two images, it may give me confidence that that's not going to be the case where it's going to look like a solid 2D animated series and hopefully it'd be one of the better ones out there too that to come out. So yeah, that's that's what I was pretty much really hopeful or glad that I saw in these 
little glimpses that we got in those promo art shown. So like again, this made me excited to hopefully see an, an official art piece release for it fairly soon because they should be starting to roll out the promo stuff for Resistance fairly soon because you know we're in the middle of summer right now and they said it's supposed to start in the fall, which if I were to guess, I'd probably say it's October. So within the next month or two, we should be getting a lot of Star Wars Resistance uh, stuff unveiled and shown to us soon. So we shouldn't have to wait too much longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully not. Um, well, that kind of brings us to our last thing that we're going to talk about, and we'll speculate on this a bit, and this is also going to kind of be a, a lead into our next episode. Um, you know, San Diego Comic-Con is coming up next week, um, and uh, they're going to be... I don't know how much Star Wars stuff they're going to have there. Um, I mean, obviously... That might be not, it, actually. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely not doing a panel for Episode Nine or anything like that, obviously, but... Um, they're doing a, uh, a panel in celebration of the 10-year anniversary of Star Wars The Clone Wars, which, first of all, is crazy to think that that show aired 10 years ago. Um, I know. That it's been just about 10 years since the Clone Wars movie first came out in theaters. Um, and really, I mean, that, it's been about 10 years since I started listening to Star Wars podcasts, because I first got into that like around the time that I was... Uh, you know, looking for stuff related to the Clone Wars movie, and that's when I stumbled across Frontlines. Um, but I think it'll be really cool just to uh, check out this panel. Hopefully there's, like, video of it available online. Um, and uh, here, I'll just read the, the description of it here um, from StarWars.com. And it's, uh, it says, Debuting in the summer of 2008, Star Wars The Clone Wars was Lucasfilm's first ever CG animated television series which gave fans the opportunity to further explore the characters and storylines introduced in the movie saga. Created and executive produced by George Lucas with supervising director Dave Filoni at the helm, uh, the critically acclaimed series featured epic space battles and dynamic lightsaber duels, but also explored some of the personal triumphs and challenges of the Jedi Knights. Through cinematic stories with groundbreaking visuals and sound design, The Clone Wars provided a broad expansion of the Star Wars universe over the course of six seasons. To celebrate the 10th anniversary of the Emmy Award-winning series, executive producer Dave Filoni and special guests will share a look back on the stories that enriched the Star Wars universe and introduce several fan-favorite characters like Ahsoka Tano and Captain Rex to a galaxy far, far away. Now, first of all, I think just based on what they've described here and just knowing how much we love the Clone Wars and really how involved... Um, or, or just sort of how much we, we got to kind of know and interact with, like, the people involved in the show. Just how open, you know, Dave Filoni has been with the fans at conventions and stuff like that. Um, I mean, this was really something sort of, at least for me, and I'm sure for a lot of other fans, was something more special than, like, just an animated series. And not just because it was Star Wars, but also, I mean, it, for me, I mean, this was really the first time that I ever cared so cared that much about like the voice actors or the people involved in making an animated project like this um and still follow a lot of those guys now you know on social media and stuff like that um actually and to to go off topic just for a second here um i don't know if you guys have watched any of these but james arnold taylor on his youtube channel has done this series called uh clone wars conversations where yeah. he mm-hmm. sits down and has conversations with, uh, you know, Matt Lanter and Sam Witwer and uh, um, uh, Jim Cummings and Anna Graves and all these other people that he worked with on The Clone Wars. And they just sit and talk about what it was like to work on the show. Um, it is 
so cool to watch. Like, I, I, he started posting them about a year ago, and they're pretty long. I mean, each video, they range anywhere from, like, 30 minutes to an hour usually, and so, um, for whatever reason, I, like, I'm subscribed to him on YouTube, and I would keep seeing those videos pop up, and I just never got around to watching them until recently, and I watched, like, three of them, um, and I think he's got probably about 15, and I'm definitely going to be watching, you know, all of those as soon as I can, um, it's so cool to get a chance to just listen to those guys talk about it again um, and just kind of take a look back at the show and, you know, just see, because you, again, get that sense that, like, even for the people working on it, it was something really special and it wasn't just mm -hmm. another job for them. Um, so I think that's going to be something really special about this panel, just seeing Dave Filoni, and I'm sure he's going to have James and Matt and Ashley and, you know, Dee Bradley Baker and, you know, some of the um, the most prominent, you know, kind of, um, the voice actors of the main characters there to talk about it. Um, who knows? Maybe even George Lucas will pop in um, as he awesome. has done in the past. Um, but anyway, like I was saying, just you know, so so even if it really is just a a look back at the Clone Wars, um, I, I think that'll be really special, and I will be totally happy with that. But also, maybe I'm just being greedy. And this <laughs> might just be wishful thinking on my part. But, you know, Dave has always got something up his sleeve. And for years, he's been going to these conventions and teasing us with little glimpses of um, Clone Wars stories that they never got to tell. And, uh, you know, he'll show, you know, some concept art or story reels and that kind of stuff. So... I, I, I've just got this itch thinking like <laughs> we're going to get something new here. And again, it could just be some concept art. Maybe they'll announce, you know, a new book or something that, you know, is like a look back at the making of the Clone Wars, something to commemorate the 10th anniversary. Um, but maybe we'll get some more story reels of some episodes released. And then, of course, the ultimate just dream that again i don't want to get my hopes up or anybody else's hopes up too high for this the holy grail of clone wars content would be the siege of mandalore well oh, i mean the holy the holy holy grail that is not going to happen would just be like announcing that they're finishing the series and that there's going to be like another couple seasons or something like that and all the people that still tweet you know save the clone wars or bring back the clone wars would get their wishes fulfilled but at this point yeah, what I what I want most is just that Siege of Mandalore storyline telling us how the Clone Wars would have ended um, and getting that Ahsoka versus Darth Maul confrontation and getting to find out what Ahsoka and Rex were up to during Order 66 and seeing how all that goes down. Um, and this would be the perfect place to do it. Like, what better time to announce that? Then at the 10-year anniversary of Clone Wars, um, and it's one of those things that, again, Dave Filoni has kind of been teasing for years. We've already seen some concept art from it of, like, the clone troopers um, who stayed behind with Ahsoka on Mandalore, and they've got their armor all painted orange in honor of her, and, you know, it was this big, cool moment. Um, but then Dave keeps saying, too, that, you know, all these stories that they never got to finish, he's like, well, I'm not just going to, like, release the scripts or just tell you guys what happens or anything like that because... Um, you know, I want to keep those just in case we one day get an opportunity to tell those stories in some other form. So, I mean, even if it's like a novel or a comic series or something, that would be cool. But 
um yeah like you said the the holy grail of clone wars content would be if we could just get one more four episode story arc or even like a made for tv movie or something like that um even just an announcement that it's coming like maybe next year it'll come on the uh, the disney streaming service that they're launching or something like yeah. that um Dude, that would be perfect <laughs> yeah so um Man, yeah, I, I can't wait for that. That is easily, like, the thing I'm most looking forward to uh, out of San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and like we said, that might be the only substantial, you know, Star Wars thing going on there anyway. But, um, you know, as, with as big of uh, fans of the Clone Wars as we are, um, that is going to be something really special and something that we will be watching with great interest. <laughs> well, you're definitely not alone in having that greedy feeling kyle about <laughs> wanting something special to be announced at the panel because i was right there with you but first off uh, it, i think it's just awesome that lucasfilm is celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the clone wars and it's not just you know a quick little youtube video of like a retrospective that's like four or five minutes but the fact that they're getting dave filoni and the cast together to go do a panel at the biggest comic convention out there um it shows that you know it's something that they really want to celebrate and rightfully so because Clone Wars was amazing and such an achievement and just such a great part of Star Wars now. So it's just, I'm really glad that Lucasfilm is showing the importance of celebrating 10 years of the Clone Wars. So it's just going to be awesome in its own right to hear Dave Filoni and the cast and crew talk about how great the series was. So, but like you, I couldn't help but get speculating thinking it's the same thing. You know, Dave doesn't usually come to these, you know, conventions and panels empty handed. He always has something to show and to tell us. <laughs> so I thought immediately the ultimate would be the Siege of Mandalore that they're going to finish those episodes and, you know, they're going to be completed. And to be honest, I didn't think of the streaming service. I kept thinking, you know, straight to Blu-ray animated movie or something, but the streaming service makes total sense. And yeah. if we're ever going to get it, I think that's the perfect avenue to go with it. And, you know, like like you were talking about, oh, maybe if it's not a movie, it's a book or comic or something. I got to be honest, even though I obviously get it and read it, I would be disappointed by that. Because as I've been saying before, we've gotten other Clone Wars stories turned into novels and comics, but not the Siege of Mandalore. It sounded like mm -hmm. Dave was holding back on that. Like he knew it was something too big and important where he'd leave, you know, he'd give nods to it like in... Uh, season two finality of Rebels, Maul's uh, calls out to Ahsoka about their encounter there. And the beginning of the Ahsoka young adult novel starts off with the Siege of Mandalore. So there's been little teases. I just kept thinking it's been building to something that's going to be, you know, what Dave Filoni intended it to be, you know, fully animated episodes of the Clone Wars. And if it's just kind of built as, because uh, again, speculating with excitement here, it's wishful thinking. I don't want it to sound like where if we don't get this, the whole panel is a waste because I don't think that's going to be the case at all. Like I said, it's going to be great just hearing them talk about the Clone Wars. But how amazing would it be to have them finish the panel by saying, you know, we've heard, you know, the cry from fans on social media about finishing the Clone Wars. Well, we're finishing the Clone Wars. We're going to give you guys the last four episodes that were intended to be the finale of the series and it's the siege, the siege of mandalore i mean that's going to bring the house down of those in attendance and just get everyone buzzing on social media so again it's hope it might just be wishful thinking but at the same time the fact that they're making a big deal of the 10-year anniversary of clone wars to be held as a panel to get the cast and crew there together just makes so much sense for them to do it here i'm almost at the point of thinking where 
if not, if we don't get the Siege of Mandalore announcement here, then I don't know if we're ever going to get it because it mm-hmm. just seems too perfect to do it here. Ten year anniversary. You got everyone there. It just makes the streaming service. I'm just glad you brought that up because I think that gives me a little more hope that it could be a possibility because the perfect avenue to put it on there and to get people excited for it. So it's so much to be excited for. So hopefully that's the case. But at the same time, if I could temper my expectations a bit. I talked to you guys about this as well, too, that I can also picture them saying, you know what? We had a great time talking about the Clone Wars and the start of Lucasfilm animation and what it brought to us with Rebels. But now it's time to show you the future. Here's the first trailer for Star Wars Resistance. And you guys made some great points why that might not be the case and kind of how, you know, that would be something that might not fit. But I can still see them doing that. And I can see this being the time to debut a Resistance trailer as well. So I can kind of see those two things happening. I can't see what else, if there is going to be any type of surprise, what else it would be other than those two. So we'll see, but I'll definitely take the Siege of Mandalore announcement over anything. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I just... I don't see them announcing anything new. I just don't. I think it would have been leaked by now by somebody. But who knows? Maybe this is well-kept secret. I don't think so. I want there to be more. Are you kidding me? The, the Clone Wars, you know, when we have our episode where we talk about that that uh, whole anniversary episode of the 10-year anniversary and, and the San Diego, San, Diego, San Diego Comic-Con, I can't talk tonight, uh, panel, I'll kind of go into more of my stories about the Clone Wars and how much it means to me that series does. It is responsible for rekindling my passion for Star Wars and, it, you know, led up to the sale of Lucasfilm uh, and, and where I am at right now with Star Wars. So the I owe the Clone Wars a lot. And it's it is by far one of the most impressive things and I, it only enhances the prequels and, and obviously people who are listening to this majority of you agree and love the series. I just don't think it's gonna. I just don't think. I think it's done. I think. I think Disney wants to move on. I would love for them to create new material. The, the Lost Missions, I feel, are, were a great addition. Um, so yeah, I, I think that if they wanted to to do more, that'd be great. But cost efficient wise, does it make sense? I don't. I don't think so. But I'm not. I'm not a business person either. So what do I know? But I'm really excited to see what they talk about. Um, like you said, guys, Dave Filoni doesn't come empty-handed too much. Mm-hmm. So we're going to probably get something that we haven't seen before. I, I'm i going to call it now. I bet George shows up. Hmm. I, bet, I bet he might show up because this was the last thing of Star Wars that he had his hands all over. He loves it. He loves Dave. He, you know, the series is, a, is a, you know, is, is kind of his la- his legacy, essentially, his last send off of Star Wars. And he, I mean, think about this. You know, Pablo Hidalgo had talked about this. Um, he said, if you really want to see what George views Star Wars as, look at the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, ton of ton of time just based in, in, the, in the realities of George Lucas and what he wants. The movies are there. They're great. But they're telling a very distinct you know, specific story, whereas Clone Wars is all over the place. And you got a, a great feel of what George wanted to do with Star Wars in the Clone Wars, and it was amazing. You know, I mean, it, we that's the thing. George's legacy is all over the Clone Wars. I mean, obviously we have the prequels and we have the original trilogy, but I, I think the Clone Wars is like that special thing that he wanted to kind of his last kind of shape and put his mark on Star Wars. And let's be real, like, because it's canon... 
it's like you know it's a it's it's affected a lot of of, of canon and, and stories going forward with the force with yep. clones with with the empire with sidious the sith the jedi i mean he really did i mean i'm really i am for one i'm very thankful what you know i wish he would had written like a bible for them to go with and they, mm-hmm. they have this like george lucas bible but i to be honest i think he did and it's called the clone wars mm-hmm. so I, I just I love love that series and I, I I do think if he shows up for the 40th anniversary, I wouldn't be surprised to honor the people who worked on the show him showing up because he he's like that he's an honorable dude and I love George Death and I'm not saying he's gonna be there for sure but I think I think it's a good chance he might show up and and kind of talk about it a little bit and talk about how much he loved the series and working with Dave and how Dave's you know he again he called Dave one of his kids at, at celebration. You know, I was there. I saw. I see the joy. I mean, you could see it on the on the video, sure. But this every just kind of seeing him react to Dave Filoni was really interesting. It was he really really enjoyed loved that guy to death, and it's awesome. And I really hope he shows up and hell to do that. I it, I'd love to be wrong and then announce Siege of Mandalore is going to coming out. I would love 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 that. I I do backflips for it and and videotape myself doing it and then also probably dying right afterwards. So, <laughs> uh, but but whatever. I mean it's but yeah, I would I I'm hope I'm wrong but either way well, I Well, really I don't want you to die, but if they do well, announce I it, know. I'm going to hold you to the videotaping yourself doing a backflip part. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. But <laughs> I I think it's gr- I, I think it would be awesome. I can't wait to do the episode because Either way, we're gonna have a lot to talk about, and because we're, we're gonna talk about the Clone Wars, and we all three of us love the Clone Wars of Death, so mm-hmm. I'm excited. But uh, yeah, I hope we have new announcements, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, well, again, I I think we're gonna have something new regardless, um, because like you said, Tim, I think this also would be a good time, a, a good opportunity, just timing wise, for them to show us the first trailer for Star Wars Resistance. Um, and I would be okay with that because, like you were saying, like we're getting closer to fall when it's supposed to be airing. It's around the time that we would start seeing um, a trailer or at least, you know, some concept art and get announcements about the characters and that sort of thing. But the thing that just kind of throws me off a little bit is the fact that in the past, like I know they definitely did this for Rebels and I'm sure they did it for Clone Wars too, was they would have. Like, I remember, especially for Rebels, like, a couple of conventions before the show started where they would have Star Wars Rebels panels and introduce all the new characters and show, you know, just concept art and behind the scenes, like, of just that show. And so I'm like, why would they not do a whole panel dedicated to Star Wars Resistance if this is when they're ready to show it off. Like, why do a 10-year anniversary of the Clone Wars panel and then just at the end be like, oh, okay, here's this trailer for this other thing we're working on. We're not going to give you any more information or tell you anything about it. We're just going to tack on a trailer at the end of this Clone Wars panel. Um, That's a good point, yeah. So, but at the same time, I mean, as far as we know, there hasn't been any, I mean, they haven't scheduled a resistance panel for San Diego Comic-Con. I don't know when the next big convention would be between now and uh, the fall when it's supposed to air, but, um, you know, so that's what I'm saying. Like, timing-wise, it kind of works that this would be, it would make sense for them to release a trailer now. Just, I would think that they'd want to dedicate a full panel to it and not kind of take away from... Um, you know, just sort of the, the 
the specialness of Clone Wars that they're talking about. And especially, like, if this was just a panel about Lucasfilm animation in general, or if it was uh, a look back at the Clone Wars and Rebels, then I would be like, yeah, definitely. They're going to talk about Clone Wars, they're going to talk about Rebels, and then they're going to talk about the future and maybe give us a little bit of info about Resistance and then maybe show us a teaser trailer or something like that. But the fact that this... And everything we know about this panel so far is saying it's just dedicated to the Clone Wars. I just, I don't know if I believe that they're going to, that this is where they're going to show off a Resistance trailer. Um, and again, I, like I said, I hope it's not just wishful thinking on my part, but I think it just, it doesn't quite line up with, you know, what they've done in the past and the fact that they're hyping this up so much is just, you know, sort of a celebration of Clone Wars. And again, like I said, if they don't show anything new and it's just a celebration of the show, I'm okay with that. But I would love to get something, uh, you know, some kind of new content from here. Um, and, you know, Siege of Mandalore would just be uh, a dream come true for us to finally be able to get that storyline. So here's hoping but regardless yeah. <laughs> uh we're planning to record another new episode about a week from now um after sometime after this panel um and do kind of our own we'll, we'll do kind of our own look back at 10 years of the clone wars um maybe talk about some of our favorite episodes and favorite characters and stuff like that and then of course uh recap whatever they talked about at this panel um you know, both just the, the kind of retrospective looking back on the show type stuff and definitely talking about what, if any, uh, new stuff they announce. So um, that should be very exciting. Um, and uh, that's pretty much all the news we've got to go over. Um, so before we wrap up here, of course, Tim, I'm going to throw it to you for uh, talking about the, um, you know, tweets and responses and stuff from our listeners. Um, but before we get to that, I just want to give you guys a shout out for uh, blowing up my phone like the Death Star. <laughs> um, Tim tweeted out a, qu a question that we're not even going to mention yet on this one, but um, or as far as responses go. But he just asked, you know, what has been your favorite moment so far from the four newest uh, Star Wars films um, since the Disney acquisition and all that? Um, and we got like over 100 responses from you guys, which is way more than we usually get. And it was just so awesome to see. Um, that gaining so much traction and having all you guys chime in on it. And so the more and more responses we got, the more I thought, you know what, rather than just trying to read a few of these at the end of our next episode, just kind of as our mailbag segment or whatever, let's do a whole episode dedicated to that. Um, so next episode, we're just going to talk about Clone Wars, and then we'll try to record another episode shortly thereafter, um, and we'll talk about our favorite moments from the new, uh, Star Wars films, and then, um, you know, probably read a lot of responses from you guys on that as well. So, um, something fun to look forward to in, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks or so. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you guys for engaging with that and, uh, for giving us some good ideas of future discussion topics. Um... But that said, uh, Tim, did we get any other uh, responses that you wanted to read from uh, the stuff we talked about today? Um, yeah, we got a couple. But again, I just want to echo what you said. Dave. Thanks to everyone who responded to that question. Yeah, it really blew up and it made me think that I have to do something I've never done before in an episode where I'm not going to be able to read in all of the responses we've got. <laughs> so many, <laughs> which, you know, is awesome. We got all those responses, but I Gotta be honest, I would feel kind of bad if I don't read all of them. <laughs> but if even in our future episode, if we don't get a chance to read every single response, because there was so many, just know that 
we saw all of them and it was just really cool to see you know all the different responses and picks that we got of everyone's favorite moments from the new from the sequel trilogy and then of course rogue one and han solo so it was a great variety which was awesome so definitely get made for some great topics and discussion so thanks again to everyone who responded but uh first up a couple of responses that we got on some of the topics we talked about on this episode um first up one from brian bailey on twitter at balls and play uh, regarding the episode nine casting he says i'd love to see carrie russell play snoke's other apprentice in episode nine she can conspire with hux to overthrow kylo ren what i really want is carrie to mortally wound ray kylo catches ray he takes off his gloves to touch her face the same way han touched his as he died in that moment Ben cracks the code to Plagueis' ability to keep the ones he loves from dying. It would link the sequel trilogy all the way back to the prequel trilogy. Yeah, that's an outcome I didn't really think about, but I guess, Brian, you're wanting to go more toward the redemption route for Kylo Ren, which I know has been another topic that a lot of fans go back and forth with. And I, if that is a way, or the redemption route is something they want to do, that could definitely be a dramatic way to go about it. And yeah, if they go with harking it back to Plagueis and all that <laughs> that would be definitely a surprise so we'll see but kind of like we said early on I definitely agree with that hopefully Kerry Russell plays you know some type of villain in the movie and then he says in regards to the Clone Wars panel coming up he goes I'm hoping they announce the Siege of Mandalore as the animated feature for the Disney streaming service in the anniversary panel so Brian's on the same page as you there Kyle and I don't know why I didn't think of the streaming service to be you know a home for them to do. I just kept having the animated Blu-ray line and movies to something they can do. But if anything, that gives me more hope that it's a possibility to put on that streaming service because it just makes so much sense. And then on Facebook, uh, we got a response from Joey Letson who says, um, in regards to episode nine, Felicity in space. <laughs> Never watched that show, but I'm sure she'll be fine. And no, she's not Mary Jade people. <laughs> yeah, that was... Joey's smart. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw some of those, because, yeah, those headlines and reactions are out there. Like, really? Going down the Mary Jane route? And like, even bring her in after we got rid of Luke? Yeah. <laughs> and I even saw her, oh, could she, this be Ray's mom? And, like, still with that. Even we got the answers of nobody's. Ray's like, mom. <laughs> like, no, I'm done with. And I've said before, too, and I'll say it again. They decided to go the nobody route with Ray's parents. I don't ever want to know who they are. Let's keep them as nobody. (laughs) Agree to disagree. Anyway. uh, That's another topic for discussion, I guess. Yes, it is. (laughs) And then as far as Clone Wars, Joey goes, as uh, as for the Clone Wars, what I want them to announce is that they're going back to finish the episodes that were incomplete. But what I expect to see is a Resistance trailer, which is okay, too. So, yeah, Joey's on the same line of thinking as we are for that. So hopefully... That panel makes us all happy, and we get some <laughs> to that effect of more Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And then also finally got an email from our listener, Dane, who's also my co-host on the Bat Fans podcast, who sends questions that are so unique that only Dane can ask. And he has another one for us here. So, Oh, yes, first, I love Dane questions. <laughs> he goes, hey, hey, guys, first off, I have to congratulate Kyle on getting married and getting to see the rare sight, which is Tim dancing. <laughs> <laughs> It was a rare sight indeed. It was only for a couple seconds. So let's let's be real. Let's be real here. 
it's rare, but it's something that should be like the holiday special. No one really sees too often. <laughs> they forget about. <laughs> I I witnessed another rarity. Well, I won't speak over the over the podcast, but Tim, I've already told you about it. I was and I was I was it was a the biggest shock of my life. I'll just say that. And it was, but I, I told Mike from a uh, from a rebel cell. By the way, he laughed. So I, I, it's it's a great you, you inside Tim story. Hanging on this. I'll tell you afterwards. I'll tell you afterwards. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, now you're just leaving the listeners hanging. Well, I can't tell. It's 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 an inside baseball kind of a thing. Oh, oh okay. It's cool. It's cool. Anyway, Tim, continue. Yeah, Kyle's wedding was just full of surprises. <laughs> it really was. It really was. <laughs> but he goes, anyway, I hope you and your wife are settling in nicely. I wish you guys nothing but the best. Well, thank you very much. And then he goes, recently I was listening to a podcast that wasn't Star Wars related. But they brought up something I haven't really heard you guys or any other podcast talk about, which I feel is very important. And I have rewatched it and confirmed it. In the throne room scene where Snoke is giving his excellent monologue, no one has really noticed Snoke's outfit. It looks like he's something you would wear to bed. Which brings up the question, which is, do you think Snoke is wearing pajamas? And if so, was he getting ready for bed or did Kylo have to go and whisper (laughs) softly into his ear that he has some important matters? Or is he just waking up when Kylo brought Rey in? The one thing I'm sure we can all agree on, that Snoke does not brush his teeth, as proven by all the great close-up <laughs> of his face. <laughs> sure, Snoke is evil, oh, but you have to give him credit for walking around his destroyer in a gold silk-like material robe, because in general, not everyone can pull it off. Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think after hearing this, I like the idea now, and I think it has to be canon, that Snoke, or Kylo Ren had to wake Snoke up out of bed to get <laughs> to meet with Ray in the throne room. That just seems too perfect to have Kylo Ren go into Snoke's room and say, hey, wake up. I got someone you need to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I will but, say this. I don't think there is pajamas, but I think, I mean, it's the kind of thing like, I don't know, like a robe you could just wear around the house. Like something you you put on as soon as you climb out of bed, and you're like, these are just, oh, you know my gee. my comfy a, clothes that I'm just gonna lounge around snuggie? in all day. A snoky, you know, we're gonna call it. <laughs> oh, Lord. You went there. You uh, really I, went I, there. I had to. It was right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, again, fast about the Snoke thing. I, I, I don't think he's I, – I know Dane's probably kidding mostly, but I think that the whole robe thing is just like his, you know – it's obviously is it's what it, – it's like an extravagant thing. That's what the way I took it as. Like he's really eccentric and it's probably really expensive what he's wearing. Uh, so that's what I well, kind of Well, yeah. Like. Where do you think he's going to find something that, you know, fits his size for cheap? True. <laughs> true, true. Uh, so anyway, that was my. I, I really do think that it is a extravagant thing in the Star Wars universe. He's wearing, not pajamas. If that was a serious question, <laughs> but but he could be wearing extravagant pajamas. True, you're not I mean, wrong. You might have to look good even when he sleeps. <laughs> Something that he could easily look good when he's sleeping and just having important conversations with Kylo Ren and Hux. So <laughs> it's like it's something for all purposes. But that's our responses from the listeners, as always. Thanks, you guys, for tweeting in, sending Facebook comics, and Dane sending in another fabulous question for us to discuss and have fun over. So it's always much appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in, as always, for engaging with us on social media and all that good stuff. So 
Um, but anyway, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, very excited to be back with our next episode and talk some Clone Wars. Um, so look for that coming pretty soon. Um, but in the meantime, as always, you can check us out on social media at uh, facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues and follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and you can always check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com um, for all the latest news stories and stuff that we're keeping up with. Um, and, uh, yeah. Oh, and then of course, uh, with the, the Thunderquack podcast network, you can, uh, check out thunderquack.com for all the latest, uh, or all the other cool, uh, podcasts in the Thunderquack podcast network. Um, but that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>